This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson, alongside me, as always, is Rick Humor. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And today, we have a great show lined up for you. We're going to start off with the Denver Nuggets, currently neck and neck with the Warriors in the Western Conference. We'll talk about can they win the Western Conference, both in the playoffs and in the regular season. Uh, Can they take that throne away from uh, the Warriors? Uh, Warriors currently in first place uh, by a half a game. Then we'll move to NBA free agency kind of. Uh, Colin McSheary on the draft mailbag wanted us to talk about the Clippers, so we will talk about the Clippers rebuild, how they should rebuild, and how free agency will affect that. Then we'll jump into our wet boys of the week. There were a stupid amount of candidates, and we have huge news in the Fantasy League. And then finally, we'll wrap it up with a segment that I'm extremely excited about. Uh, we're going to end uh, on a high note. We're going to talk about Sekou Demboya versus Rui Hachimura, how they both pan out as prospects, um, who will be the better pro, who's the better prospect, who should be ranked higher on big boards, et cetera, et cetera. Before we jump into all that, though, uh, check out patreon.com slash podcast If you haven't already, uh, that is a place where you can go and get extra rewards for being a fan. You can support us on that site. Um, you could be on a podcast for $10. We had uh, good old John Woodson on uh, last week, about an hour segment talking about sleepers in the uh, NBA draft. It's a good time. And next week, we have a huge episode uh, coming out. We're not going to spoil anything for that, but uh, a huge episode coming out next week uh, for patrons and, and for uh, non-patrons, but uh, I especially for Patreon.com. For <laughs> I had forgot what next week was already. Dave was oh, leaning nice. over like, we only hey, spent 20 what minutes, was We spent 20 minutes talking about it before we started recording, and I've already forgotten. It's <laughs> going to be a huge day for most people, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but check out check that out. Uh, go to patreon.com slash podcast. Also, uh, real quick, if you are listening on iTunes, uh, rate us five stars over mm-hmm. there. It helps us grow. Um, and it's uh, super easy to do. Uh, real takes like two seconds. Uh, but anyways, let's jump into the Nuggets talk. I just like to say when I'm right, um, and I will say I was on when this. When Sean was right. I was on this Nugget train uh, from the start of the season. I knew Jokic was going to be top three in the MVPs, top five right now. But hey, I mean, being that close for Nikola Jokic, mm-hmm. you guys thought I was crazy for that hot take. We did. I was, for being this close, I, oh, I think I'm, give, I think I'm giving you all credit. credit it's point. way closer than my hot take. Remember, the Lakers were going to be in the Western Conference Finals, guys. Yikes. Uh, Might not even make the playoffs. Jake did have the hot take of LeBron wouldn't be a top five MVP P finisher, and that mm-hmm. looks pretty decent right now. It does. Um, what was yours? I don't remember. Neither do I. Um, <laughs> but right now, Nuggets are 42 and 19. They have pretty much the best home record uh, in the NBA. They're 27 and 5. You could also make the argument for the Milwaukee Bucks, who are 25 and 5. Uh, Raptors are 27 and 6. But uh, they have the most wins and this tied for the most amount of losses. So uh, I think they have the better winning percentage compared to the Bucks. Uh, they sit at 42 and 19. Uh, Golden State Warriors sit at 43 and 19. So we're talking about can the Nuggets win the Western Conference? Did it click in your head what your hot take was? I think it was OKC is going to beat uh, the Warriors. I don't think that was it. No. Mm. No. Was it the Memphis know. thing? Doesn't ring a bell. Oh, was it Memphis, was it Memphis the making the playoffs? And he was, was that the hot take? Or and then was that? I don't know. I feel like that no, was that was it. And then the heel turned on it. Yeah, because you were all for I Memphis, and then you did the classic WWE heel turn gotcha. on Memphis. I know I put him in the eight seed. We're breaking early, kayfabe we'll here. See. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to revisit that po- uh, podcast. But anyways, uh, Warriors right now uh, currently in first place uh, in a, a half a game in front of the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Nuggets are six and four in the last ten. Warriors are six and four in the last ten. Uh, both on losing streaks, uh, but pretty much every top team in 
in the uh, Western Conference is. Uh, but let's talk about can the Nuggets be the number one seed in the Western Conference? Like we already said, they have great home home court advantage. Uh, they're pretty much 500 on uh, on the road. Um, so looking at this, can they overcome the Warriors and become the number one seed in the Western Conference in the regular season? Then we'll talk about the postseason after that. Yeah, I think they absolutely can. They've been holding steady that absolutely great play as of late. I think the big thing is just you have so many tough games against that Western Conference against your Western Conference opponents. They've got a short road trip where it's San Antonio Lakers Warriors, which don't don't take the the Spurs lightly. I still I know they're falling out of the playoffs as we speak. Mm-hmm. But they're still a very good team. Obviously, the Lakers, you never know with LeBron and Warriors. So that's a tough stretch. And then, thankfully, they get the Eastern Conference trip of Boston, who's lost to literally everyone, the Wizards, the Knicks, and the Pacers, who Boyan hasn't been told that they're supposed to lose games yet. So (laughs) they've got a couple of fun road trips coming up in the next uh, three weeks. So I'm super excited, but I think they absolutely can. Their play is not, you know, it's dependent on basically their outside shooting and Jokic ability to facilitate. And they've been doing... Excellent. And their guard play has been awesome as of late. Gain Isaiah Thomas. I know a lot of people are very like, does he deserve the minutes? You know, because he's trying to work his way off of that injury. But I, I absolutely think that by the end of the year, they have one of the best three guard setups in the league. And they absolutely have one of the best home court advantages. So going for that one seed, super important. Yeah, the one thing that I will say for that that next stretch of games, uh, they do have two games against Golden State, which will be huge. But they are both on the road. They played earlier yep. uh, twice already, both in Denver. Uh, they won 198 and then got blown out the next game, 142-111. Uh, um, both of those were in Denver. Uh, I will give Denver credit on that 142-111 game. Uh, they were without um, Gary Harris. They were without uh, Jamal Murray. No, Murray was playing. Uh, but they were uh, they were running out a lineup of Millsap, Torrey Craig, uh, Jokic, Murray, and Beasley. Um, mm. So, you know, they didn't have a healthy Gary Harris, who's, uh, you know, typically— uh, a guy who gets big minutes for them. Uh, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. Um, but that's probably the biggest thing that jumps out of me that is a red flag because if you're going to try to overcome the Warriors, you got to beat them. And you look at the home court, like you say, and the away splits, um, they're not that great away. So it's going to yeah. be tough to go into the Oracle and get that win. Um, but Ricky, do you mm-hmm. see a path for the Nuggets to get the number one seed in the Western Conference? I see a path for them to maybe get the number one seed. And the only way... They're going to get the one seed as if the regular season Warriors of like, because with the same thing, it's the Warriors every year where the regular season, it's like, uh, you know what? We're going to coast through. We're going to be at the top. Oh, now it's time to click it on. And then they click it on. Like the only road bump that we've seen in their dynasty was the Rocket series last year. Chris Paul goes down. They then go on and win that series. But I just I can't help but look at how everything lays out right now and think the one seed like yeah it's nice to have home court advantage you know Dave before the podcast was thrown my way like you look at the numbers and yeah overall the team that has home court advantage should win the series but the thing that I look at is how the teams seed out right now and to me the most important thing is going to be where the Blazers end up in this. Because you think about it right now, if you are the two seed, and if I look over at the how the seeding goes off, if you're the two seed, that means you're going up in the second round either against the three or the six. Well, that three seed right now is Oklahoma City, and they have been a really good team. They're a team that many people are saying could be a, I'm going to say, sleeper in the playoff, like that non-top two team that, hey, they could make a run to the Western Conference Finals. Right. But then if you get the one seed, 
there's a possibility you could play the Rockets, where I wouldn't want to see either of those teams. If both of those end in the 3-4 range, you're going to be in a better situation than you would be with two. So but to me, I don't think the regular it, season. Like, I just they don't think it matters because the regular season, eventually the Warriors are going to get it going. They're going to snap into playoff mode, but it, and the Warriors will be the number one I, seed. I, I disagree they? that it, does, it doesn't matter because it does matter. Yes, it, it you know obviously it matters for playoff seeding, but also to say that you were the Western Conference champions does matter to Denver. I mean, Denver is a team that's still rebuilding. They weren't in the playoffs last year. To go from outside of the playoffs to go to the number one seed, that's absolutely huge. And not only is that huge just for the team, it's also huge for Nikola Jokic's MVP case if they are able to, in the best conference, to come out over the Warriors, over the Thunder, over the Blazers, Rockets, etc., etc., and win that conference. It's just huge for your team, it's huge for your your history, and it's huge just to hang that up in the rafters. So I disagree that it's not important mm-hmm. uh, in the grand scheme of things because, you know, obviously you're going to be worrying about playoff, you know, uh, difficulties, but, you know, in the playoffs it doesn't matter about your regular season record, it matters who shows up. So all you have to do is show up. It doesn't matter about the seed. Golden State showed that in 2007 when they went up against the mm-hmm. number one uh, seed of Dallas Mavericks and beat them. I mean, it doesn't matter what seed you are. It's always going to be difficult. You need to handle your task. So, so I think it's just important for the regular season that if they do win it, you can say, hey, we hung one over the Warriors. We got that. And even if we're, we didn't win the NBA title, we still had a great, phenomenal season. And we could take that momentum into next season and build something great off of this. I will agree to disagree. I will agree that, yes, if we're talking about a confidence boost for next year, coming into thing. next year, like, yes, we can do it, then, yeah, it's important. But wins so the and losses, that when you beat LeBron I don't and think you were the number one seed and De- Derrick Rose was the MVP, that didn't mean shit to the Chicago Bulls. Look at what happened in the playoffs. Look at what, like, and that's another but argument you don't remember, of, like, but the that, regular that season, season does not matter. I remember it fondly. I mean, but we, I we do. Have, we have, Chicago Bulls but fans, I also you know, trying to build do that team. Remember Joe Noah, that, Derek Rose like, already. We came in and it was that same season of like, hey, you know what? We're gonna come in Eastern Conference Finals. The Bulls, we beat LeBron in the Heat three out of four times. And what happened in the playoffs? The Heat beat us. So like for me, I feel like the best teams show up when the lights are the brightest. Yes. And with me, Warriors are my favorite. Thunder and Rockets will be tied for two. Nuggets would be right after them. But the point is that the Nuggets stand the best chance of winning if they have that home court throughout. Mm-hmm. Well, right? math, that's, yes, that's mathematically with the They have the, home one of the court. best home court mm-hmm. uh, records in the NBA, correct? Yeah, 27-5. I mean, like, that's insane. So mm-hmm. giving them the best chance to win in the playoffs would be they need to have the number one seed in the playoffs well, for the Western Conference. Like, it, like if, if they do get simple. the number There's no argument No, if they do get the number one seed and it, the, everything else stays the same, like they just flip with the Warriors and they play the Spurs, literally home court advantage will mean so much because they'll be going up against the Spurs. Spurs are 23-7 and seven at home and 11-22 and 22 away. Yeah. So pretty much those four games at home, if you are going just by record, the 27-5 and five home uh, Nuggets in four games against the Spurs, who are 11-22 on the road, should win all four of those games. And that doesn't so even hit the matchups. I mean, you're just going from a pure overview. What do you uh, mean? Like, you're not even oh, yeah, hitting, like, no, the yeah. Statistically, like, the how, how, bad, how, bad, yeah. how bad the Spurs Nuggets, are away yeah. and how good the Nuggets are at and, home, yep. those four games matter so much because if you, you know, do what you should do and mm-hmm. take care of home court, you already are going on to the second round. But, I mean, even, like, then here's another reason to put in my case why it really won't matter mm-hmm. in the end of things is being the two seed, you'd still have home court advantage over the Thunder or the Rockets, and the Thunder and the Rockets, their road win loss isn't that impressive. The only one that has 
an impressive win-loss is obviously the Warriors. And I know that, yes, getting that home field gives you, like, all right, mathematically, court. home court, mathematically we have the best chance. But the thing, and this is how home court works, obviously, Warriors win one of those first two games. All right, home court now flips over to the Warriors where it is going to be near impossible, in my mind, for the Nuggets to beat the Warriors in the playoffs, which would probably be Western Conference Finals, if they don't win those first two games. And they'd probably have to win those first two games and maybe a game in Golden State in order, in my mind, to beat the Warriors in the fi- or in the Conference Finals. That's why I would say it doesn't but, really matter in my mind whether they're one or two. But you're talking about Conference Finals Nuggets, which in itself mm-hmm. is a hell of an achievement for a team that wasn't in the playoffs last mm-hmm. year, that has an average mm-hmm. age of... They're, they're super young. Their pick from last year hasn't even played yet in the NBA. <laughs> I mean, like, we're talking about one of the most loaded young teams in the NBA. And, like, we're talking about Western Conference Finals matchup. Like, that's where you're at. You need to realize that that's a, an amazing win for mm-hmm. them already. They're not trying to be the Clippers. They're not trying to get in the playoffs and get knocked out again. Like, that ain't their game. They're not doing the Chris Paul shit. They're going in, and they're, they've got a chance to be a dynasty in the West because of the age, the way contracts line up. Like, this is a team where well, this one playoff run and I do could agree be the start with of you. something Dynasty in the West, they're at the beginning of it. Well, they're the at the beginning too, of this I mean, dynasty. You look, maybe. and we're talking last week. I mean, if Kevin Durant leaves, that makes the Warriors intrinsically mm-hmm. worse if he leaves. If Clay Thompson more, uh, leaves, that makes them intrinsically worse. Like, it's going to be easier next year for the Nuggets to win in the playoffs because then you have that playoff experience as well. I think the only player on their roster, I could be wrong. I, I, I think there's two. Um, and if I'm wrong, definitely correct me. Isaiah Thomas, who's mm-hmm. not that big of a player on, on in the scheme of that rotation. Yeah, he uh, he's not still quite coming, found his group yet. Yeah, he's still coming back off that injury. He's still going to take time. And even when he does, you know, Monte Morris has been playing phenomenally. Uh, Jamal Murray's a, a, a great starter for them. Uh, I'll also give a shout-out to Malik Beasley as well. I know he's more of a two-guard. Um, but Isaiah Thomas, who's yep. not that huge of a rotation player, and Paul Millsap, who's a starter for them. Um, but those are the only two players on their roster with playoff experience. I mean— there's yeah. no expectations for them to go in to, to win the NBA Finals. If you have the number one seed in the Western Conference, you beat the Warriors, that is such a huge mark for the Denver Nuggets to hit. Well, and, that's and I don't why... think it's going to be a failure of a season or no, anything and... like that if they lose in the playoffs. Exactly. It's just a young team that last year showed their youth, mm-hmm. weren't able to you know get to the playoffs, but obviously showed their young talent and potential, and now we're finally taking that potential and doing something with it. It's just more about gaining experience and doing that and making it into the playoffs and having home court advantage is absolutely huge. And if you go mm-hmm. to the Western Conference Finals and you lose to the Warriors, that's nothing. It's yeah. not like you a failure. You lost the best team in basketball. So you're exactly. probably the second best team in basketball. Pretty much. Yeah, and, and I mean, look at the, no, the Rockets last year. That's exactly yeah. what we're saying. And no one's saying like that this season A yeah. is a failure, but I but do think... But I feel think, like that's kind of the tone you're giving off. No, I just, with me, I look like at it's all it about where, the playoffs or nothing. No, it will... A, yes it is, but B, it's your argument is coming more from a next year, next year, next year, which even if they're the two seed, mm-hmm. I think this team comes into next year with not a chip on their shoulder, but a little bit of a confidence boost. Like, hey, you know what? We did already as the two seed last year exceed expectations. Like Sean was saying, like, Jokic in top three, and this team, I believe you said, like, oh, they'll finish top three in the West. And even at that, we were like, whoa, Sean, kind of. Pump your brakes a little bit. So, like, they've already exceeded expectations where at this point they're playing with house money. Mm -hmm. Where it's like they Mm -hmm. could, with me, the only thing that could be a huge negative on this team is if they go in to either a series against the Clippers or the Spurs and lose that series, which I don't see happening. I see them at the very least 
winning the first round, either as the one or the two, and then at the very least getting bounced out in the second round, only because they're going to be playing a Thunder team where Paul George has been insane this year, and you got two guys in him and Russ who have playoff experience, plus that team has and more Steven playoff Adams. experience. Yeah. Then you have the Rockets, who look at all the playoff experience they have, and they were literally the number two team in the West last year, would have been the number one if Chris Paul didn't get hurt. And then you're probably going to go on and play the Warriors, who's the best team in basketball. Wait, so what I did mean, you say about the Rockets? If they so had they playoff the experience, they would have been they the, were the one. number one seed last year. No, they would have been the like they weren't the number one because they lost to the Warriors. Like, so in the Warriors they were the number were, two oh, team. Okay. Yeah. And then they would have been the number one. but they would have finished number one and beat the Warriors if Chris Paul didn't get hurt. I see them losing to one of those two teams in the second (laughs) round. It wasn't. It wasn't also that. It was the fact that they couldn't hit a shot in Game Seven. I mean, they they they, they only lost that game by they only lost that game by nine, and they were were, they missed twenty seven straight three pointers. Take a step in and then shoot. Literally, I mean, like this is a team that had. Home court advantage, mm-hmm. and it really didn't matter that much. Game one at home, they lost one nineteen one hundred six. Then they won one twenty seven one hundred five. Then Golden State took it the first game in Golden State uh, one twenty six eighty five. Then Houston tied it up in game four ninety five ninety two. Then Houston took uh, the next game at home ninety eight ninety four. Uh, then Golden State uh, tied it to three three at one fifteen one eighty six. To and then Golden State obviously won game seven. Uh, so it was pretty much. Uh, Rockets, what went? Um, they went two and two, on, you know, yeah, on home but court. But like series. they should so like, have. It wasn't that important for them to have home court. Like they should have won that series, but that's not the point. Like for me, getting back to the Nuggets, I think the big thing of it is going to be when they get to that second round. Yeah, how are you going to do either against the Rockets or the Thunder, depending on how things play out? But right now. One or two, you're playing one of those two teams in the next round. Um, yeah. Uh, well, right now, of course, because yeah. you're. I mean, obviously, I mean, right the now, Jazz will take a, look at the Jazz are on a three game win streak. Rockets are on a three game win streak. Um, I don't think any of us thought Portland was going to be this good. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can always take a, a, a dip. But <laughs> none of us <laughs> have the playoffs. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Um, so obviously things can shake out yeah, completely differently. Absolutely. Uh, Clippers and Spurs can might not even be in the playoffs uh, when we talk about this next, but they do have a, a nice uh, two and a half game cushion at least for the Spurs over the Kings. Yeah. Um, so I, I think definitely playoff experience is going to play into factor. Um, clearly, their worst matchup is Golden State, but if they do stay at one or two, and the Warriors are just the next team or the team in front of them, they yeah. want to see them into the Western Conference Finals. So, which team should they want to avoid at all costs then? Uh, whether they're the number one or number Oof. two, how what's their what's their like route to winning the Western Conference in the playoffs? I mean, right now, I I sort of agree with. Uh, I don't want to do it. I, I think the Blazers are an underrated team when it comes to playoff matchups, just because they mm-hmm. play so damn big down low, and Nurkic is a monster. Now they added Cantor, so they've got someone who is extremely offensively gifted in Cantor who can come off the bench, give them instant points, and Nurkic is just so damn tough down in that low post. And Nurkic um, will play with an edge too, since they traded him. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He definitely does, and I think the guard matchup is really intriguing there. You got Damon, CJ. We'll see what happens. Is this going to be a redemption year for them after their disappointing loss last year in the playoffs, getting swept out by the Pelicans? Mm-hmm. So I think they're a team that I would be afraid of going into the playoffs. Um, well, but they won't be playing them for the first round, right? So, right. so 
I'm just saying, is, they, their, is their best route getting the number one seat? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Okay, so then who who should they be looking for in that, that first round I matchup? I mean, if it ends up being, are we just saying basically between Clippers, Spurs, and Kings? Who, whoever could be the eighth seed. If you're, if you're saying they should be getting, mm-hmm. they, they should and, you know, they need to get the number one seed. Like, what is their best opponent to make the finals, basically? Well, no, right? yeah, pretty much, but first round, we'll start there. Yeah, I would say give me the early going, give me the... I don't want give me this give me the Clippers give me the Clippers because they're a team where they're getting the best player out of their bench players I know it's strategic but like mm-hmm. out of Lou Will and uh, Montrose Harrell and I think that those two guys yes they've they've cut their teeth there in the league for a bit obviously Lou Will more than Montrose but it, it comes down to the fact that the pace and the matchups for the Nuggets I think they absolutely would be able to run rough shot on them with a three-point shooting I they they don't have enough defenders like Pat Beverly can't be everywhere at once mm-hmm. so give me that matchup and then I see I I think honestly uh, it's gonna be dirty what Plum or not Plumley because I love I love Plumley um what Millsap's gonna be able to do with Danilo out there like I think that's a matchup that's gonna get absolutely abused mm-hmm. so I I think that yeah give me the Clippers they're a deep team yes but. The Nuggets have so much more talent, and the outside shooting is a massive difference maker. The spacing they are able to run with. So then, let's say the four or five pans out. They play, you know, the four or the five seed. Who should who should they be looking for there? Like, should a team be falling down there? A team be moving up? Which team is the best matchup uh, uh, in that range? If I would be them, I would root for the Rockets to win, hundred <laughs> percent. You think that's going to give them the best matchup? I do, I do. I think James Harden is going to be either dying at that point because he's just played every minute of you know every possible game and mm-hmm. putting up 50 a night but which is ridiculous but can that keep going and every single year in the playoffs we watch it sort of putter out right at the end so that's the team i would take in the second round because chris paul might not be healthy clint capella might not be healthy mm-hmm. so now i'm looking at austin rivers and uh <laughs> nene getting minutes in the playoffs at a serious level kenneth freed kenneth freed he's been awesome but still yeah. it's just like it's not the same so give me the team that's got an injury history that is just known to run just just a little bit short in the playoffs. I weirdly think that I think the Thunder might be the best matchup. Ooh. I think from hmm. from that, just because I know that Russ is extremely talented. Paul George has yeah. been on a, a next level for him. But you look at Portland and you look at Houston. Let's say they all are healthy. Yeah, Houston gives you the matchup of Harden, which obviously can sputter out, but. But he also has the, the highest top end of anybody yeah, outside of and Golden we're talking State. about Portland having the dangerous guard matchup. Yeah. Obviously Houston has the better guards. And I think Clint Capella going up against Jokic, at least defensively for mm-hmm. Jokic, is something that they can abuse. And we see how efficient Harden and Paul can be in the pick and roll yeah. uh, using Capella. And I think Jokic defensively, although he's fantastic at reading passes, jumping lanes, anticipating, he is not a rim protector yet. Yeah. And Capella's so strong and that driving and, and attacking. Too. I think that would be a very difficult matchup. Same yeah. reasons for why Nurkic gives that to them as well. That's fair. Um, and also, just we're talking about pace and, and keeping it up. Um, that can change for the Rockets, especially for them being experienced. They're extremely experienced. They've been here before, and you know, with their ability to keep up the pace and them shooting, they can keep up with a you know a tough you know uh, altitude. But also, the altitude might hurt uh, James Harden. And yeah. then obviously, uh, they're going to face Golden State. You, you think no matter what uh, in the Western Conference Finals? Right? I don't. I don't see any way Golden State doesn't make it to the mm-hmm. finals. Um, it's just they're so damn good. Five mm-hmm. All Stars, man. It's yeah. not fair. Ricky, give me your 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 ideal. For so the Nuggets run with me. It's gonna sound crazy, but stick with me. Staying at the two seed will probably be better for the Nuggets moving forward, and this is why I say number one. Give me the Spurs round one. They're a team that even at the now the Spurs would have to move up to seven. But give me that 7-2 
with the Spurs because the Spurs are terrible on the road. I'd have home court advantage. Mm-hmm. I'm the best home court team right now in the West. I should be able to win that series. Then in number two, another one that another team would have to do something. I say give me Portland in the second round because the Portland Trailblazers, Dave, they do this in the playoffs. They choke. They choke in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And this is a team where if the Trailblazers, who are only a half game behind the Thunder, can move to that three, give me that two, three. I will take my chances with Portland. I'll let the Thunder and the Rockets beat each other up and then have to go through Golden well, State before then I possibly will most likely also, have to play the Warriors if, in the finals. If we're talking about the Thunder, the reason why I think they are a, a, a good matchup for Denver is because if we're talking about choking, I mean, Russ mm-hmm. last year was bad in the playoffs. Paul George was not great in the playoffs. They lost to the, the Jazz. And I know they had their games, they had their moments in the playoffs, but ultimately you lost to Donovan Mitchell, a rookie-led team. Uh, so, I mean, you look back at last year, what have you done for me lately in, in, the, in the playoffs? Russ and Paul George have mm-hmm. not been great. They got bounced in the first round. And if we're talking about Big's matchup, Steven Adams is not a good offensive uh, big. So that's one place right there automatically yeah. where I think that the, the, the Nuggets can win. He's a great defender, for sure, and they have great defending bigs. Him and uh, Nerlens. Nerlens has been amazing. Yeah, are, are something that I think can give them problems. But also Jokic, I think, ex, you know, exceeds that defensive ability. He is He's a guy that's going to get his numbers no matter what, and he's going to be a guy who can do everything for you. He can rebound, you know, obviously put up points. Uh, he put up near 35 points a game, and then you know have a game where he's just like four points and then like 15 assists. Um, so like he's a guy that can find a way to win, and yeah. I think that that's going to be something that I, I really like that Thunder matchup for them. Uh, they weren't able to win Utah last year mm-hmm. uh, enough to to actually flip that series. The Thunder were, and I think that that you know going into Denver uh, will be even much harder for them. So I, I think the Thunder are a great matchup for them. See, I'm on the I'm on just the other side of I think that this year Paul George is playing a different level of basketball. Russ is kind of figuring out a different role, let's say, than he had last year, kind of like taking, it's weird to say this for Russ, a step back to Paul George and kind of saying like, hey, we're going to do whatever we want to win. Plus, I mean, if we're going to talk about playoff experiences last year, I don't think anything beats the Trailblazers where you came in with home court advantage and then got swept by the Pelicans. Like, that series was so bad. That's all Dave could talk about well, after it happened and, and it's of how too, bad it was. That Portland has not gone as far as the Western Conference in years, I the, think. The semifinals I, is as yeah. far but as they've been. But they've been a consistent like, playoff contender yeah, every year. Six straight for years for the playoffs. And uh, that's why— they've, they've been Clipper-esque in, if, in their If yeah, I'm the Nuggets, success. give me that in the second round over the Thunders and Rockets. And but then, they're a different team this year. Like that's the thing. I is like, still think that if I'm the if you're holding if I'm last the Nuggets, year against people and you want to say you want to attack Paul George and mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook well, and say I they will underperformed say George, last year. Paul George throughout his career has been you know near great yeah. in the playoffs. Past just three can't, years can't take a last shot. Twenty six point five points per game, but seven even boards, just, four assists, one point seven steals, forty two percent from the field, forty percent from three. Yeah. It's just clearly he has not done enough because the past three years that he has played great. He's been yeah. bounced in the first round. But even yeah, look at the, the road splits, LeBron, where it's like, out of the three, the Rockets are 15 and 16, which isn't that far off from where Portland is, but they have the James Harden card. And the Thunder right now, out of the teams besides maybe the Clippers and the Warriors, have one of the better road records. So give me the team with the worst road record, who I'd have more confidence in, because they don't have Paul George, they don't have Russ, they don't have James Harden. 
Give me that before I have to play the Warriors yeah, in the Western but Conference. They still Finals. have Dame, they have I CJ, and there might be playing amazingly. And there there might be an idea of again, we haven't made it, and there might be that extra edge of hey, well, let's not do what happened last year. I mean, like yeah, maybe the maybe they don't have that talent games to flip they played it, each other so far this year. Uh, the first one was decided by one point, and the second mm-hmm. one by three points. Uh, and, and obviously, the, with the Nuggets I'll win both, but still, I'll ask you this: if we had a series matchups. right now, Nuggets and Blazers, who would you take? Nuggets. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That I but would I would too. Choose, if but you guys like, said the same thing for the Thunder, I'd take the, the Nuggets too. But like that's what I'm saying. Like yes, the, the Blazers might sure be able to make it a six game series. They're still going to lose to the Nuggets. That's the best road. Give me the Spurs. Give me the Blazers. Before I'll probably have to play the Warriors. But the best road would probably be playing the Thunder or the Rockets. But really, it'll like that's the only one where it's like yeah. Your best road mm-hmm. is not playing the Warriors, but you're probably going to have to Spurs, play the Warriors. The Spurs are split with them right now. they got two more games coming up, yeah. uh, one on Monday and one on mm-hmm. uh, April 3rd to wrap up the season. But they're split. So yeah, I, Also, so far, uh, Denver's 3-0 against Oklahoma but City. yet yeah. again, like I said with the whole Bulls thing, I, in, season well, no, in the playoffs, I don't come into where, oh, we beat them 3-4. That was the regular season. It's a new season now. Yeah, but then also, the okay, let's season. look at the postseason for Paul George last mm-hmm. year. The last game, he put up five points in 45 minutes. Let's well, look at Russell Westbrook. He lost that series for the Oklahoma happen. City Thunder You're last right. year. Could happen. Like, I'm, that's why I'm not afraid of them. Yes, mm-hmm. Paul George is a different player this year so far, but it's also the regular season. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do that for you know the Bulls and you know eight years ago, we can do that for Paul George last year. Um, final thoughts on the Nuggets. Can they win the Western Conference either in the regular season or po- uh, postseason? Uh, give me both answers. I think regular season, yes, they absolutely can. The rest of their schedule, they've got a couple rough matchups uh, with some back-to-back, but I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to lock it in. With the Warriors, there's just too many games where they don't turn it on. They literally got swept out of the state of Florida losing to Orlando and the freaking Heat uh, with, with a Dwayne Wade amazing mm-hmm. three-point uh, game winner. So give me the Nuggets in the regular season, but they will not make it through the Western Conference Finals. I same thing. They have a chance to get the one seed. I don't think they will. They'll be the two seed. So not quite. The they same also thing. have a chance to play in the Western Conference Finals. But Nuggets fans, don't hate me. They'll probably lose to the Thunder in the second round, and then hope to rebound next year. I believe counting this, uh, Denver has nine more home games and eleven more road games. Golden State has ten and ten. Uh, that does worry me, especially uh, looking at who they are playing on the road: San Antonio, Los Angeles, Golden State. Uh, Boston, Indiana, uh, Golden State twice, actually, Oklahoma, Houston, uh, Portland, and Utah. It's going to be a tough stretch for Denver. However, I do also see the possibility of them going 9-0 and uh, in, at home at the rest of the season, playing New Orleans, Minnesota, Dallas, Indiana, Detroit, Washington, uh, San Antonio, and uh, Portland and Minnesota. I definitely see that as a possibility. So it's really going to come down to those two games against Golden State. Uh, both are going to be primetime uh, Friday, it. March 8th. That's going to be at Golden State, 930 on ESPN, and Tuesday, April 2nd at Golden State, 930 on TNT. Both primetime games. It's going to be huge for uh, Denver to win those games. If they win those games, they will be the number one seed if they do if they lose uh, one of them, uh, they, they will not. I think that's going to be pretty much what it comes down to. Uh, you need to at least win one of them to put yourself in contention. If you lose both, you get swept. Uh, you're not going to get the number one seed. So I will say it's close. I will lean towards no for Denver winning the uh, regular season number one seed. Um, but I do see them possibly uh, winning the Western Conference. It's going to wow. be tough. It's going to be tough for them to beat Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. But I do think that their hardest matchup. 
uh, you know, when this team is firing on all cylinders, I said this during our playoff predictions, was the Lakers, uh, just because they didn't have a player, the Nuggets, who could turn it on to that next level like a LeBron James. But LeBron James hasn't been able to turn it on that level this whole season. Um, so I think the playoff experience of a LeBron James would have been something that they wouldn't we wouldn't have been able to deal with. Uh, but outside of Golden State, I don't think any team has a player like that to turn it on. And the other thing with Golden State is they looked vulnerable last year um, with uh, Houston Rockets in Game 7, but also this is a team that has not been extremely healthy. Uh, so if Steph Curry is injured uh, throughout any of those seven games and they're able to take advantage of that, um, that will be absolutely huge. So I will not write off the fact that they can win in the regular season, and I also will not write off the fact uh, of them winning in the postseason. Uh, but if I had to say, gun to my head, uh, I'll say no to both, unfortunately, although I am the, uh, the, the I guess, resident You're the Nuggets fan, uh, yeah. Yeah, closet fan. Uh, but let us know what you think down in the comments below. Can the Nuggets uh, win the Western Conference either in the regular season or postseason? I think they can, but will they? Uh, probably not. Uh, but let us know down in the comments below. But before we move into the next segment, don't forget, again, to check us out on Twitter, twitter.com slash mostoutpodcast. I've uh, been having some conversations with y'all on Twitter, so uh, don't forget to uh, drop over, hit us with a follow, and uh, you know, talk to us. We love talking to you guys. I have nothing to do with most of my days. Uh, so love talking NBA with you guys. So definitely slide over, slide into our DMs. Uh, we appreciate the conversation that you guys always bring. But let's jump into the Los Angeles Clippers. I want to give a shout-out to Colin McSherry, uh, who said, hey, talk about the Clippers. Uh, we also have one about talk about the Hornets, so we'll bring that up uh, in, in future days. But we've been wanting to talk about the Clippers uh, because of the possibility of AD uh, wanting to go there, because of Kawhi possibly being linked there, um, and also with their rebuild. They traded away uh, Boban Mar- Marjanovic. Uh, they traded away uh, Tobias you say Harris. Bobby and Toby. Yeah, Bobby and Toby. They traded away those two, uh, arguably their best player in Tobias Harris. Um, people were like, oh, now it's time for a tank. Now it's time for a rebuild. And they're still in the playoffs at 7th. Um, so right now it's really, is it a rebuild? How is the rebuild going? And what should be the next steps for this rebuild? Um, be- before we get into that question, though, I do want to throw out I think this is going to be a extremely tough year for Coach of the Year because mm-hmm. you look out in the East, you have uh, good old Coach Bud uh, for Bud? The, the Milwaukee Bucks. Absolutely. You have Nick Nurse, who yep. deserves credit. You have Mike Malone of the Denver Nuggets, especially if they win the number one seed. Michael Malone. Michael Malone. Uh, Michael Malone of the Denver Nuggets, especially if they win the number one seed. Um, you got to look at uh, Dave Yeager of the Sacramento Kings for what he's done. And Doc Rivers, because Doc Rivers is winning. He's in the playoffs with pretty much no star I mean, on that team at all. I mean, could you put Steve Clifford in the conversation, too? Yeah. I mean... It's the magic. It's the magic, but also it's not like... <laughs> they're in the playoffs. If they were like... Well, right I, now I think, they're a half I, I think game Kenny, out as we're I think recording. Kenny Atkinson deserves more credit for the Nets than uh, Steve Clifford does with the magic. Is that I fair? I mean, they've got a, the Nets have an all-star. Yes, so do the magic. Yeah. Nikola Vucevic. But, like, it's Vucevic. But he's still an all-star. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll go even, Z's. What would you say? Like, who's the front runner in your mind for Coach of the Year? Well, it's, think oh, Doc it's, it's easy for me. Who's A team it? that should have been tanking is now winning games. Jim Boylan, Coach of the Year. Oh, Jesus God. Christ. Right? That's give an, obvious, an actual that's answer. That's an obvious joke. I would give it to Bud. Like, with the East mm. where, where it is, it's, it's either you give it to Buddenhoser for what he's done with the Bucks, or you give it to Michael Malone. You know what? I'm going to change my answer. I'll give it to Michael Malone for what he's done with the Nuggets because they were not a playoff team. They were on the verge of a win and you're in, and they lost, and now they're the second seed. Fuck it. I'm going to give it to Malone. But Bud, I I know this isn't the segment, but it's just like he literally took a team last year that was good 
but had so many problems mm-hmm. to now being the best team in One the One of the East. best defensive if, metrics teams, I believe, But too. also then if Dave Yeager gets them to the, the playoffs, I think the Kings, who went from garbage town to flip. the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Is a, Just saying the playoffs is a difference than like what, what Bud means to that team mm-hmm. in Milwaukee is night and day to what Jason Kidd did to them. Let us know what you think down in the comments below. Uh, yeah. who, who's the Another comment. Give, give us a power ranking, top five power ranking yeah. uh, for Coach of the Year. But anyways, uh, let's jump into the Clippers. Uh, right now they sit at 35 and 29, nine games back of the nine. Golden State Warriors, uh, three games ahead of the Sacramento Kings, uh, who are in ninth place, uh, half a game in front of the Spurs for the eighth seed. Uh, they are 17-12 at home, 18-17 away. Uh, they are on a one-game win streak and six and four in their last ten. So let's start off with the Clippers right now. Do you think that they were rebuilding with that Tobias Harris move? What was the idea with behind that Toby move? And has it panned out for what their goal was when they traded away Tobias Harris? Well, yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Ricky, Ricky, go okay. first. Well, the thing that I think about is the reason why they made that deal was because in my mind it was like, okay, we are – Moving on into the future, we are moving on into free agents. If we keep Toby around, we then have to keep the question of, do we give him a deal or not? Do we resign him? Do we just let him walk? They traded him. They tried to get something for him rather than just letting him walk at the end. I think the second part of your question, the will it pay off, we're not going to get that answer until after free agency, until we see what big fish, if any, will the Clippers be able to land. I mean, I, I think they so far are happy with the trade. They got Landry Shamet, who is low-key just an absolute mm-hmm. stud from the outside. Mm-hmm. Incredible shooter. His time under J.J. Reddick, like totally Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, who they it, have just, locked down on a rookie deal until, what, 2022? he's a rookie. Yeah. He's a rookie. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I don't think we're going to find out for a while either because they got two first-round picks out of this. Obviously, the protected one from the Sixers. Cool, 2020. That's cool. But the 2021 Heat pick where... That one's got the intrigue. That one's unprotected. And who knows what the Heat will be doing in 2021. Mm-hmm. So I think that not only contractually are they in great shape, but also from a future uh, like prospect potential, yeah. like they just have wealth. Well, what do you think is it, it should be their uh, plan? Because Ricky obviously brought up free agency. You brought up their wealth in, in, in youth. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, they have a great, you know, just kind of you know young core. Uh, they drafted Jerome Robinson, who hasn't been that great this year. Um, but you they, got Shea? He still was top 15, but I was going to bring up the guys. Uh, Shea Gilders-Alexander, who's been really great for them, uh, uh, taken 11th uh, last year in the draft. They have Ivica Zubat, who they got from the uh, Lakers, and they have Landry Shamit. So, I mean, those three are extremely young. Those guys have all promise. I don't know which ones will be stars, yeah. but they all seem like they can be you know, good rotation pieces, two starters um, at their top end. Uh, also, uh, I don't think I'm missing anybody, but those are the, those are pretty much the big four. You might want to throw Thornwell because Dave loves him, but he hasn't been great. Um, but Thornwell, sorry, Thornwell. Oh, so there he is. He's um, and then obviously they have the Dave's uh, like he's no longer in the Gamecocks making a making a historic run. And then obviously they have the 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 future wealth at all uh, as well. So do you think they're going to go towards a youth movement, or do you think it's going to be attack and free agency, and then use that that wealth of picks and that youth? To then bring in stars through trades. I've got a plan, and Dave, let me. I'm going to throw this towards you. You, you, you tell me plan. Yeah, yeah. what this plan is. Number one, you got to get Kawhi Leonard. I'll go Jerry because, West mode on this. Well, because here's mm-hmm. what you got. You've got two. You're like you're plan this offseason dual max. You've opened it up for the dual max. 
potentially you can get a third third max type player. I'll get to that in a little bit. Number one target is getting Kawhi Leonard to the Clippers. You need to do that in my mind. Number two, you could go a few different directions. You can either target like a Kyrie or a Kemba, try to get a point guard on that max deal. But like you said, they got Shea, they have Landry Shamit. They don't have to go point guard. So they could go maybe like, oh, do we want to try to bring Clay away from the Warriors? Do we want to go after a Jimmy Butler, depending how he's feeling after what happens with the 76ers in the playoffs? Hmm. That second tier is whatever you feel. I, because of what they have, wouldn't be mad if they went after like a Jimmy Butler, got like maybe Kawhi and Jimmy to come in. But I wouldn't be mad if it's like Kawhi and Kemba or Kawhi and Kyrie even with the point guards that they have, because like they, like we've said, they are young. The third option, which brings in those picks, instead of using them, how about taking Danilo, who is up after next year, mm-hmm. and a Lou Will, who, yes, he's been good for this team, but the guy we're getting would be better for us, could go after an Anthony Davis with those picks and could I... virtually bring in Kawhi, a second max of the point guard, shooting guard, whichever you want, so and an Anthony Davis to this for team. For a top five player, mm-hmm. you are going to trade Lou Williams and Danilo Gallinari. And a boatload of picks. I don't see that working because I, mean, I don't think, I don't think picks. four picks is going to do it. Um, I think you need to give them somebody young. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I don't know. So here, you could, you here, could let's, throw in a let's, let's, Hey, let's throw out their the, the picks they have. They don't have their pick right now in 2019. Uh, it's uh, right now going to the Celtics uh, Celtics via the Grizzlies. Uh, they have, I think, uh, three second-round picks. They have two first-round picks in 2020. Uh, they have 76ers pick. It may or may not tra- uh, transfer. It's uh, top 14 protected. Sure. Um, <laughs> it should uh, transfer. Uh, and then they have their own pick in 2020. And then they have the unprotected Heat in 2021. And they have their own in 2021. Uh, and then they have uh, their next picks until 2026 uh, after that. So they have four picks. They have four first rounders in 2020 and 2021. Uh, I don't think all four of those first are going to get Anthony Davis. But let's say. Really? Because the deal that we heard for Anthony Davis is now a lie. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm interested to know what the true value is. I. But I, see, I, I'm going to be interested in true value, but also if the Lakers were giving up. They weren't. That was the point. The it came out that uh, the. When did it come out as a lie? Uh, Who reported Jackie that? Mack and oh God, what's his name? I don't. I, remember I didn't the other see guy's that name. from Woj so or anybody. Yeah, they're talking about how it, it's very likely that uh, it was pushed out publicly by the Pelicans, mm-hmm. and that wasn't actually the offer that was on the table. Yes, okay. Lakers had made offers, mm-hmm. but it wasn't that offer. What it was it the did not offer, include. Then? They they weren't being specific. They just said it didn't include. Uh, all four. So I got it for you. Yeah. So on the jump, Jackie Mack said, my sources have told me in the last 48 hours um, that what we heard the Lakers offered may not be true. So I think there's some questions now about how much did they offer? Really, did they even get a chance to offer anything is what uh, Jackie Mack said on the jump yesterday. So Okay, so that was nothing. So it might not be true. That's it. I mean, it's Jackie Mack. When she has I, a source, I trust her. Okay, She's but, been in the business for like 40 years. But also then we, we now have the idea that the Celtics are going to get into this Anthony Davis thing, right? And the idea is that they're going to give up Tatum, right? Potentially. So if they give up Tatum, that's going to beat four first-round picks, four, four, four first picks in my mind. Because Jason Tatum is 
Better, it, it's like pretty much what the whole Bears and, and Raiders thing is. Mm-hmm. You can have first round pick, or you can have Khalil Mack. And here's the thing: to though, take will, you know, and with that first round pick, you can just take a guy like Khalil Mack. Like if Kyrie is le- already there, if Kyrie is leaving, will the Celtics want to offer up JT? Like that's a big question. And also with yeah. what I said, let's say you're then targeting a Kyrie or a Kemba in free agency. Like that's your plan. Why not throw either a Shamit or a Shea into that AD trade if your plan is to get a point guard? Like, yes, if you whiff on one of those two point guards, that looks bad. But if your plan is to bring in Kawhi and a point guard well, that was and then get that AD, that could work. I'm, I'm saying if giving you, one you, you needed to add a young player. Yeah. So if you're what adding if I in add Shea, in like Shea? No, I'm saying if you're adding in yeah. Shea in four first, that makes it extremely interesting. But if you're giving me Danilo Gallinari and Lou Williams, mm-hmm. then no. But it's like, a lot because it's Anthony Davis. It's still a lot to give up for somebody who hasn't been able to do anything on their own. Well, I feel like it. yes, he's, but the he's idea is talented, you're pair him with but another he's start. Hurt, but he's never been good enough to carry a team into the playoffs and do anything. Uh, that's not true. They went to the second round last year. Yeah, but guess, they guess how they got to the, the second round? Rondo and Drew Holiday. Anthony Davis was a goddamn stud. Nico Miritich. Like they. Do you want me to read off? You want me to read off Anthony oh, no. Davis's stat line? I'm just Anthony saying, Davis is a monster. LeBron in the, James is a man series. who can get a team to the playoffs with no talent around him. Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis did that. Is not. He did that. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. He but did that's that the in thing. That, uh, Anthony uh, Davis, 2016-2017 season, when they was they were like neck and neck with the Thunder and they got in through the eighth seed. They literally he's done that before. I don't think he did. He did. I don't. That. I don't. I don't believe he did. But I don't think it was. That kind of it player. was 2014-2015. Literally got to the Western Conference first round against the Golden State Warriors. Got swept 0-4, 45 and 37. And who else was on that team? Uh, let's who see. Who else played on that team? Uh, Tyreek Evans, uh, Omir Sheik, yeah. Ryan Anderson, Alex Agencia, uh, Drew Holiday, Eric Gordon, Jimmer Fredette, uh, Quincy Pondector, Austin Rivers, ooh, good old John Salmons, Jeff Withy. Come on. Withy. Yeah. Withy. Like, mm-hmm. he, drew, he dragged that team. Drew and Eric Gordon. It wasn't good Eric Gordon, though. Eric Gordon put up 13.4 points per game. Eric Drew Gordon. Holiday wasn't even that great either, 14.8. He's never been an offensive dynamo. Anthony Davis has carried his team. But here's the thing. Anthony Davis wouldn't have to carry because he wouldn't be the only thing. Like, you'd be bringing him. The true target is Kawhi. Like, he's the true target for the Clippers. If you're bringing in Kawhi and then another Max with an Anthony Davis trade, Anthony Davis would not have to be the main guy on that team. The only question for me is, what's that second free agent? Do you go with the point guard, try to get a Kyrie or Kemba, and then you can ship one of your young point guards in that Anthony Davis deal if needed, or do you go after a Jimmy Butler? Because, yes, people are going to throw out that, you know, DeMarcus Cousins is going to be a free agent, but if you're throwing out a max to, let's say, Kyrie and Kawhi, you're not going to have enough money to throw that to Boogie because he's going to want more than he's making right now. Yeah, um, and I think the the big thing with them is they're they they're really not tied up big with cap you know cap space. I mean, you, really the biggest thing is Gallinari, and you're talking about getting rid of him uh, in a trade. Well, he's the he's only one making done over. at the end of next year, like his contract's yeah, but, off but the books. I mean, just to say, like mm-hmm. if you want to free up as most space yeah. as possible, that's the really only bad mm-hmm. contract they have. It's is not that, even a bad contract if he's healthy. No, but I'm just saying, like. It t- he's the only player. That, he's the only player next year that's going to be making over eight million dollars. Right. Yeah, that's all contract. I'm saying. Like, and also, do you want to be paying Danilo Gallinari twenty two million dollars? No, 
I mean, he's like, depends really on well. he's depends on who you are. If you're the Pelicans, who hey, we're not looking to make a run, and it frees up cap space I'm, at the end I'm of the year. I'm just saying for when you're trying to sign a free agent, I'm mm-hmm. not saying that Danilo Gallinari is a bad player. Well, I'm just saying 19, six and two on 44 and 42 percent shooting from 90 from the line. When did I say he's like a bad he's got player. a 20 per? When did I say? He I know person had a great stat, but like it's, I'm just I'm not I'm just you saying. said it was a bad contract. I think 20 million compared to compared to Lou Williams at eight million. Yeah, Lou for three years. A I mean, like, because he's a one half of the court player. But, but I'm just saying, like, they're they're like twenty million it, for twenty points. I'm not saying that he is a bad player. I'm just saying that I don't want my biggest contract on my team being Danilo Gallinari. Say that then, because <laughs> like, you're, you said the word well, bad contract. And I, well, I got what defensive. I think is when I'm paying <laughs> Danilo Gallinari twenty two to be my best player, that's a bad contract yeah. because I'm not going to be a good team. Right. Right. Yeah, they're a playoff team so, over some somebody like, and, and that's uh, and that's a deal that's been move. tried to be shot for the past three yep. years. Yep. Like that's been a deal that's been he was in the Blake Griffin uh, trade as well. Like, yeah, that was a, his injury really cut him flaw. down. Unfortunately, um, I'm not trying to bash Neil Gallinari. I'm just saying like that. I think personally, I think that's a bad bad contract. Yeah. Um, I just think that you know them moving into next year, it's just it's it's tough to go for a youth movement in my opinion for this rebuild mm-hmm. because you have Shea, you have Jerome Robinson, you have. Uh, Shamit, and you have uh, Zubat. Uh, I just don't know if they have the ability to build up enough youth um, in the next couple of years. Because typically, when you start this rebuild, you have your number one pick. You have yeah. a, you have a first round pick, uh, but they aren't really tanking for anything. So that was one thing with this. When we were like, "Oh, they're trying to tank for a better draft pick," uh, or they're just there's trying no to tank to be. Yeah, there's no benefit to it. Yeah. Um, so well, I think that that's was the one why, thing. To me, the draft picks don't mean to cut you off, Sean. But the draft picks aren't for them to use it's for them to use in trades and stuff not like hey we're gonna pick no one. i'm saying for no, 2019 I want to trade these. i'm saying yeah. for this year well so even it, if they would have gotten that pick in my mind it would have been usable in a trade rather than them making that pick like what they if they trade the year. 2021 heat pick and something else for for a slot this year if they like somebody mm-hmm. in the, in the first round that. like they, they they have the ability. They have leverage and they have capital. But should they use that for, again, this is what the, the whole mm-hmm. conversation is going towards. Should they use it for a youth movement or should they use it for big free agents or it's, big big stars that are already established? It's hard because the draft happens before free agency. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing. You don't know what Kawhi's going to want to do in free agency. You mm-hmm. don't know what uh, Kyrie, Kyrie or Kemba. Like, that's wrong. All those are unknowns. If you have the, the ability to go get an Anthony Davis, sure, put it on the table for him. But... I don't see this team performing any better than what he was doing on the Pelicans. They have less talent on the Clippers. Even, but it's a different, even but with if it's, Kyrie and another Max? No, but, 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 but you don't know that. Yeah, I know. Here's, here's but the thing I, mean, that I, I say, was just asking. Here's the thing that I will say for that Anthony Davis thing. It's a completely different market. You're in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. which is more oh, attractive yeah, than it, New Orleans. Yeah. And, again, we just talked about their only bad contract being yep. Danilo Gallinari. Could be shipped it, for him. It, yeah, exactly. But even you look at the 2020 year. Like, Let's say they miss out in 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh they have a club option for Shade Gilders, which they'll pick up. They have a club option for for Landry, which they'll pick up. That's like about six million there. Uh, Lou Williams will stay for eight, so that's fourteen million. Uh, they could pr- decline the Jerome Robinson deal, so that will free up. Let's just say they'll decline it because I don't think he's going to take that big of a step. Um, so that would be put him at uh, fourteen mil. Um, that's, that's it. They have fourteen mil on 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 deck, and then they have the Anthony Davis contract that they'll they end up picking up and they have to resign him. Uh, right. But outside of that, I mean, you you still have the leverage in twenty twenty. So you're just hoping that you can resign AD as your hope. Then. Exactly, and 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 if you have Anthony Davis, you have Los Angeles, and you have a fuck ton of cap. Yep. you're going to be in a good spot. Could to, be attractive. to go after. So I think that. As long as they don't you know, mix it and you know sign a bunch of B tier players for a bunch of <laughs> too much money. If they just don't pelican, I don't it. think I don't uh, think uh, West is going to do that. Yeah, uh, but I, I think the big thing with the the, the the Clippers is the fact that 
I think you have to get one of them first before this even starts and, and rolls. And whether that's trading for Anthony Davis, uh, whether that's signing a player, uh, I think you have to get that ball rolling. I just don't know exactly what's the most intriguing part of the Clippers. Do you think that them playing it out and just going with, like, we're team basketball, we're going to run through and use our draft picks, do you think that's a, a route that they could take? Like, not go after a big star? If I mean, if they miss on, like, say they miss on Kawhi and Kemba and Kyrie. Say none, could. None of the big guys go there. Like, mm-hmm. do you think that they're cool taking, like, smart contracts, like what they did with Lou Will, like what Montrez on an 8-8 eight eight deal? You know, like, do you think they could keep doing that and develop that young talent and hope that they land, like, a star in 2020, 2021? Through the draft? Through the draft. Um, And slow roll it? Or do you think that because they have the money available that they're going to try to force a star to the Clippers. I think the fact that they're in Los Angeles means that they're going to go after a star. Okay. Because because if you're in that big of a market, and yes, it's not the Lakers, so mm-hmm. automatically you're taking yeah, you're down a step. Yep. Um, I, I think that you can still draw attention to yourself uh, yep. like the Clippers have done in the past with Blake, uh, DeAndre, CP3. And, and CP3. Yeah. Um, and I think having a coach like Doc Rivers that just kind of pushes you towards again going towards that, okay. that that star movement because you also have so much cap. So, oh, I understand. So, so yeah. what's what's really holding you back from it? And it's really why it would really just be the players not wanting to go there. Yeah. So that's why the question is what what's what's intriguing about Los Angeles in your mind? Because I think it is an option, but I think since they are Los Angeles, it's not the option that they want to do. Well, and that's why in my mind I kind of first answer your question. Let's say they whiff on Kai on Kawhi. Yeah. I don't see Jerry the, the, West going, they whiff, yes. They whiff we, on everything. They're I not able to trade for... Anthony Davis goes to Boston. Point Kyrie being, stays in Boston. I don't see Jerry West being the guy that goes, oh my God, we need a Max deal. He's yeah. going to sit back and go, no, I know what does successful. And we didn't hit. I don't need to force anything. The thing that I would worry about is if they don't hit on anyone this year, look at next year. I'm just going to throw out some of the names that are right now yeah. for sure. Kyle Lowry. Gordon Hayward, Paul Millsap, Al Horford, DeMar DeRozan, Otto Porter Jr., Andre Drummond, Anthony Davis, Hassan Whiteside. Not as many uh, big names as we're seeing this year. So Mm -hmm. it's like if you don't hit this year, next year's free agent pool might be a little bit worse. Unless you guys take one of the If the Boston Celtics are able to get um, Anthony Davis and they re-sign Jalen Brown, Mm -hmm. Gordon Hayward's picking up his player option. Yeah. Jalen Brown will be a restricted free agent. Will they be yeah. able to match that? They God can throw no. a ton of money off at, at a guy like so Jalen Brown. So much financial tax or luxury tax. Mm-hmm. Karis LeVert, also a restricted free agent. There's a lot of restricted free agents that they might be able to go after. And that's I think true. that's one thing. If they have a ton of money and they throw yeah. money at guys that you know are, are, are you know teams that are kind of locked up cap-wise and they're mm-hmm. not able to match those guys, yeah. I think that's something they, could, they, they can definitely make a play after. Um, I just think the big thing for them is – if they miss out on AD, and let's say he goes to Boston, they they miss out on Kawhi, um, and none of the free agents go there. It's just I, I I think the question I'm asking is what makes them intriguing for free agents. So even if they have this money and they're able to throw out money and they're able to give everybody a max, what makes them a, 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 an exciting well, team to play for? Is it Doc Rivers? Is it the city? Say, does Doc is do it Jerry it for West? Um, like I, I respect him as a head coach. I just don't know. You know, is he a player's coach to that point? I think he's worked really well with younger talent. I think the older talent with him, he obviously succeeded in Boston, but going to play with the big three, or they're the equivalent of a big three with the Clippers, like we we saw that cap on him. And I don't know mm-hmm. if that was him or Chris Paul or injuries, mm-hmm. whatever it was, he just couldn't get together. Now he's playing with a team of role players, and they're succeeding. 
do you think that like do stars want to play for him at I this think point? The biggest thing that he's done, and, and it's just giving up that GM. Uh, oh, that's the best thing. They and could I think do. that the fact that he's not controlling those players and, and controlling the moves, I think that is something that is absolutely huge for him. Mm-hmm. He's able to focus on coaching, and he's, he's showing that he's a fantastic coach. Um, so I think that there's no reason why okay. players would not want to play for him. Because well, I wasn't sure. I know Chris Paul had made some offhand comments when he went well, to Chris the Rockets Paul's about kind of a liner. it. He's a dick. It's yeah. also easy to say that when you're just leaving. Oh yeah, that I, team. I understand. I just it, it's one of those things where I've I've never been too hot or too cool mm-hmm. on him, and I just. I know the city of LA is really the biggest thing they have going for them. Mm-hmm. Well, I love their young talent. I think Shea and Shamit are an amazing future backcourt because honestly, Shea is just he's looked so good this year for a long stretch, and I think that they're absolutely like locked in on him mm-hmm. uh, being the guy. Uh, Shamit, hopefully, he continues to shoot as well as he does and he grows defensively, just so he's you know league average at least. They're they're in great business then. Uh, they really really need to bring in some more talent on that wing position though. I'm with you. I think that taking some stabs at guys who could be restricted free agents could go a long way. I got a, I got a plan for you guys. All right, and, and we'll go to Ricky uh, next, mm-hmm. but I, this one just kind of popped in my head. Um, this is based off of the fact that I don't think these teams will have uh, the the hard. I think the hard cap will kind of limit what they'll be able to do. I know they'll be able to go over the the luxury check because they'll, yeah. they'll maintain most of these guys' bird rights. Um, but a guy that's out there that plays for the Los Angeles Lakers, and if they no. sign Kyrie Irving. Uh, and if they're, you know, they lock up themselves too much. Talking uh, about B.I. Brandon Ingram is out there. He's a restricted free agent, and maybe they could just steal that away from the Lakers. Uh, That'd be dirty. Anthony Davis, if he goes to Boston and doesn't sign a long-term deal, will be a free agent, and you could sign him. And yeah. Jalen Brown. And I think Anthony Davis, Jalen Brown, and Brandon Ingram would be absolutely disgusting. Mm-hmm. With Lou Will running the pro- point, or Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I mean, Brandon Ingram runs point, but yeah. Yeah, but I, I think that, I think that that, yeah, there, I, there, I there's, there's, there's ways for them to there's attack because they have talent. so much cap space. Yeah. They have so many draft picks. Um, I think right now they're heading in the right direc- direction, whether they win or lose, because, again, the, they're not helping a draft mm-hmm. or hurting yeah. a draft stock at all because they don't have their pick. Um, I just think that this team, it's just really what's going to be the biggest selling point for them. Um, and you know, Jerry West has obviously been able to do it before, uh, selling players on teams, especially Los Angeles. So I think that um, he, they have the right... Pieces in place, they just need to execute. Well, and here's the thing I'm kind of thinking, and it kind of goes back to something I think you said earlier in the segment, Sean, was how important is that is it for them to make the playoffs? Yeah. Like, why not not make the playoffs, keep your pick? Well, if you're talking about selling a free agent in a city, let's just say Kawhi. Yes, it's L.A. That's number one. But if you can say, yeah, we were the seventh seed with the ragtag of guys that we had this year. Like, we made the seventh seed— even after we traded Toby and Bobby, like we were still in the playoffs. Think about what we could be with you. Look at what this Denver team has been doing. Like, yeah, I know they weren't added free agents, but hey, if they're able to go from nine to two, think about what we can do. And depending on what happens to the Warriors, if they lose Kevin Durant, which will probably happen in my mind, they're probably not going to lose Clay. They'll still keep that core going. But if they lose Kevin Durant, the Warriors become a little bit weaker of a team. They lose to Marcus Cousins, which they probably will, because he'll probably be looking for a close to I max say, deal. The Clippers could grab Boogie right there. Well, that's the thing. Well, could you get Kawhi and Boogie, Kawhi and Jimmy? Like you can go different yeah. ways, but that's what you're selling them on. Hey, the Warriors are getting worse. The Rockets this year have not been a str- as strong older, a team that they were the year before. You can come here on a team that's already making the playoffs and make us instantly better. Yeah. Uh, 
for the Clippers, uh, are they heading the right way in the rebuild? I think Final they question. are. I think be- we we literally just spent what like thirty minutes talking about the possibility, all the possibilities they have. That's in a good place when you have mm-hmm. multiple options. Routes you can take options is money. Well, then and that's, that's the thing. And that's the thing I want to ask you guys. Damn. Just I with it's coming. just with free agents. With the two maxes that they have, yeah. who would be the guys that you target and want to like? If it is a A plus offseason for the Clippers, who are getting those two maxes from them? Um, it's Kawhi plus Kawhi Kevin Durant. Who? Well, you said uh, that's an A plus. Well, hey, like Kevin yeah. Durant is an option. Like, yeah. would, would he sign Kawhi with plus the Kevin Clippers? Durant would be an A plus offseason. I don't think anybody but can see that coming. But that's the question: Would Would Kevin Durant want to sign it's with the not Clippers? What you asked if, me. We're, if we're talking about the, if we're talking about <laughs> you just sparked a different question. If we're talking about the legacy against mm-hmm. him versus LeBron, KD, I mean, could what, you imagine? What, what, imagine what, the Clippers won one first. Well, that's the thing. What, what better than go to his city, <laughs> become the king of Los you Angeles, L A. from LeBron? <laughs> yeah, finally, finally flip the Clipper Laker thing. Yeah, and you win the the, the first. NBA championships in what, 2008, 2009, uh, in the Staples Center since you know Kobe mm-hmm. did it. I think I think that would be the biggest fuck you. Um, I think at least a plus for them. I, I don't think it really matters on, on Kevin Durant. But they need to land a big star, um, and that's pretty much Kawhi, Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler, or Kevin Durant. Yep. Um, I would say Kawhi would be the the one, and then I think. Uh, to pair next to him, I think it would be Jimmy Butler. I think defensively that team would be fucking nasty. Oh, Shea, um, Jimmy, Kawhi, mm-hmm. one, two, three. It's just oh my yeah, god. Yeah, I think that would be the the the, the pairing that I would like the best. Yeah. Um, but I don't think Jimmy Butler is pretty much going to be available. I think he's going to stay with Philadelphia. Um, so I would probably say that their alternate route uh, would be Kawhi being the number one guy. Uh, and then trading for Anthony Davis, I think that would be their their A plus. I don't think they really need yeah. to use those two max. Uh, you can, I, I think, filling out the roster would probably be the smartest thing. I think that's what they can do. And also having two stars like Anthony Davis and Kawhi Leonard be disgusting. So I think that would be the the A plus for them: signing Kawhi yeah. or Kevin Durant uh, and trading for Anthony Davis, which I think is possible. But I don't know if they'll have the best package for Anthony Davis. But getting those four picks is helping. Yeah, I, I'm I'm exactly there with you, Sean. I think they, I think you nailed it spot on. I'm just gonna leave it at that. I'm looking oh, up. I'm right. looking up one thing, and the thing I'm looking up is to see. I couldn't remember if Jerry West and Kevin Durant overlapped when he joined the Golden State. Maybe um, that's the only other thing I'm thinking. If they did overlap, could Jerry West be a guy to? Hey, you want to stay in this like tech? Because uh, I know the big thing we bring up is like, oh, he wants to stay on the West Coast where well, all the tech I, stuff is all happening. The, all the New York people are bringing up the fact that uh, Kevin Durant apparently moved all his businesses to New York, mm-hmm. um, but they have a crazy high business tax or something like that, so oh, why else would he be doing that if he's not going to New York? It's going to be so crazy. For, uh, free agency, be a bad business guy. Free agency yeah. can't get here quick enough in my mind. Yeah, we've never heard of basketball players going broke after they finish <laughs> right? Never happened. Um, final thoughts is we all think that they're going the right way just because Absolutely. we absolutely have. Right. Regardless of which option route they take, they, they got options. Camera died. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this segment. Let us know your thoughts on the Clippers rebuild. Is, are they going in the right way? Are they are they attacking this in the the right way? Uh, what are your thoughts on the Clippers uh, rebuild in 2018, heading into 2019 uh, and 2020? It is 2019. My bad. Anyways, well, let's move into our favorite topic. We are talking about the dampest of dudes, the soggiest of shooters, the moistest of men. These are our wet boys. These are the guys that absolutely popped off in the past week. Had historic performances. Uh, insane stat line. Uh, just things that were absolutely memorable. There was an insane amount of candidates. Uh, we have a lot of honorable mentions, uh, but we have the three that stood up 
in our opinion, uh, above the rest. Um, and Ricky Widmer, you're going to start off with your typical Chicago bull pick. Well, I mean, way to spoil it, but also I got a little story time. First off, honorable mention D Wade. I wanted to pick you so badly, um, but I couldn't. Hey, uh, because who did, who did D Wade play for? Played for the Bulls. Oh, uh, also played for the Miami Heat. Who's Honestly, right I want I want to do a study into mm-hmm. your wet boys, and I think like most 90, of them I think, are Bulls and Warriors. I think ninety percent, yeah, to ninety five percent have either played for the Bulls, are Chicago Bulls, or the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, probably. Um, but this is a wet boy that I called. Let's say last Saturday we recorded the podcast. Dave and I went out to dinner. We are sitting in the kind of waiting area, waiting to get a table, watching Bulls Celtics. Yeah. And I texted the group chat and I said, Zach Levine is my wet boy. He did not let me down, Sean. Not only did he have a 40-plus game against the Celtics in a win. He had an 11-point game yeah, against the Grizzlies. I was going to say, he had a clunker against the Bucks. But it was the Bucs, and we only lost by 11. No, the Grizzlies, he had a 30-point game. And then 47 in the quadruple overtime spectacular against Trey Young and the Bulls. Dude, their legs were tired, and you could tell. I'm sorry. Only 47 is a thing I can say because my wet boy. He also also was high-flying, jet-flying, styling, and profiling. Woo! Yeah, that's that's six points a quarter. Great wet boy. I hey. I Zach Levine, you my wet boy. Shout out to the Bulls. I love Zach Levine, so I'm I'm just <laughs> taking shots at this point. But I'm just saying, like, if you think 40, 47, for, for, yeah, it was good for Zach Levine. Forty-seven and eight quarters. That's that's He's that. Not that's on cool. the same I, I'm just level. going with James Harden, who's the best shooting guard in basketball. Uh, he, One's an MVP candidate. The other one is, is not. the MVP, uh, reigning MVP, about to be two-time MVP. So I'm just tossing out that James Harden. He's amazing. I know he couldn't shoot from three until this last game, but in that last game, he dropped 58 points, people. Is it that impressive, though? Mm. I mean, yes. I'm going to but... throw <laughs> things at you, Sean. Every week, we have the same argument. Look, I don't know. I just think that there's there's other guys the that, like... The, uh, other guys do deserve love, which is why I appreciate what you're doing in mm. yours for your wet boys, or your post-wet boy segment. Yeah. But yeah, it's just James Harden. He's amazing. Give him credit. I, I think that the 39 points is, is something that, you know, over the three games is something impressive. It's really if he didn't have the fifty eight though he wouldn't be a wet boy right. He's gonna average thirty six points in the season. But if he didn't have the fifty eight he wouldn't be a wet boy right. Probably not because his past two shooting performances were one of eleven from three and zero mm-hmm. of ten from three. So that would have made it pretty difficult for me but to justify. Re- but really, how wet boyish are you if you sit out the Warrior game? He was hurt and he came back and, and you played hurt but again. The, the team beat the Warriors without him. Like yeah. I mean, to me, not MVP because. You know, you're not valuable if your team can beat the Warriors without you. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, let's look at Markel Fultz and the Magic. Markel Fultz is not <laughs> valuable. Yep, um, there you go. Anyways, uh, let's move into my, my boy. I think that, that there's going to be no complaints on this one. Yes, he was 1-2 and two this week, but Carl uh, Anthony Towns is a goddamn monster. 37.7 points, which will round up to 38. 18.7 boards a game. He had four assists, 1.3 blocks. Three turnovers, shot 60% from the field, 47% from three, uh, and a good old 67, uh, 67% from the free throw line. Um, but, I mean, you look at Carl Anthony Towns, I think we sleep on him because of Jokic, because of Embiid. Uh, but Carl Anthony Towns deserves respect. Um, he's, he's a guy that is extremely efficient on the offensive end. He is so talented and, and gifted when it comes to the offensive uh, side of the ball. And yes, he doesn't have that great aggressiveness he he can block shots he's he's near two a game 
this year. Um, he's, but he's not a great defender. No. But I think we overlook that too much because he is just so dominant on the offensive end. And putting up 38-19-4 uh, is something that cannot be scoffed at. And, and, and Carlton Towns deserves all the love. Uh, yeah. Also was in a car accident, too. So yeah, hopefully feel po- better. Post-car mm-hmm. accident, he's actually played better. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no, I'm not going to say So that. the tip of the day. Don't. Get in a car accident. That's the tip of the day. Do not get in a car accident. It's not going to make you better at basketball. <laughs> uh, but we did have so many guys that we do want to give shout-outs to. First off, uh, Mitchell Robinson in the past three games, 30 minutes per game, 76% from the field, uh, 80% from the line, 11.7 boards, 4.3 blocks, and about 15 a game. And averaging uh, six fouls a game. Uh, 4.3. <laughs> uh, but still, uh, he's averaging the same amount of blocks per game as personal fouls. Yeah. Um, but he's been a goddamn monster. He uh, has. New York got a great one, and we, we told you all. Yeah. Uh, we put him at 15 in our in our last mock. We put him at 15 to the Wizards. He fell all the way to the second round. Uh, that was a big uh, mistake. Bet you the Wizards the regret that. Oh, for sure. Uh, could you imagine if John Wall was healthy, Bradley Beal was healthy, and uh, oh, Bradley Beal was healthy, and uh, Mitchell Robinson was man down that five spot? Nasty. Yeah. Uh, Even next, a little more than Troy Brown Jr., maybe. Yes. Uh, next guy up is Brandon Ingram. He's averaging 28, 6, and 3 on 60% shooting, 58% from 3, and 73% from the line. Uh, you know, you look at the Lakers, they are 1 and 3 in those games, but he has been something phenomenal uh, in the past four games uh, for the Los Angeles Lakers. Extremely turning it on. Uh, Blake Griffin deserves a shout out there, 2 and 1. Uh, 34% from the field, uh, which is why he wasn't a wet boy, but 40% from three. Uh, also, t- uh, 19 points, uh, seven boards, seven assists. He did have a triple-double, uh, 2010 and 10 uh, against the Pacers. Trey Young is probably the biggest one, probably the biggest snub yeah. for most people, uh, not getting a wet boy. Uh, you yeah, have to look at him from the 23rd on. Uh, 36 points per game, 10.5 assists, uh 46% from the field, 50% from three, and 90% from the line. Apparently, I did say something in our mailbag that uh, Trey Young isn't uh, wasn't having like some scoring performances or something. I mentioned Trey Young scoring, uh, and he drops 47 or 49 uh, last night against the Bulls. Um, I'm surprised Ricky didn't go with him. Uh, Kemba Walker also deserves some love. Uh, I'm telling you, there's there's two there's- more. Uh, there's there's so many. Uh, it was guys a week of amazing performances. This is why I said we should have given out two wet boys each. It's we not the it's enough. not the game. Uh, Twenty eight points per game for Kemba Walker. We've five changed six. the game so much. Three steals. Forty seven percent. We've made adaptations, but go on. Forty seven percent from the field. Thirty five percent from the three and ninety one percent from the line. Kemba Walker uh, had a phenomenal four games. One and three though. Uh, and then Tobias Harris, the last one, 2-1, uh, the 76ers were. He played 37.9 minutes a game, 60% from the field, 45% from three, 92% from the line, seven boards, two uh, assists, and good old 27 points uh, for Toby. Uh, and those are uh, our wet boys and our honorable mentions. Yeah, it's pretty a lot. Pretty busy week. Uh you love the basketball post-All-Star break? Like, yeah. This is just we're getting the high quality now. I'm shocked that Trey Young didn't get that. Ricky, why didn't you go with Trey Young? Because I called he it called a shot. last Saturday. Literally. Levine. But Trey Young was better. Hours after finishing our podcast, <laughs> he called his shot a week in advance. Man it's has cojones. That, it's not that impressive. He's got cojones. I don't know. I, I think that Trey Young deserves it. And, and and I will ask this question. The real question is why didn't I go with Lauren Markinen? That's the real question. No, it's not. Uh, the question that I want to ask out before we get to the question I want to throw out there before we get into the uh, before the uh, fantasy stuff is, does Trey Young have a shot at the rookie of the year? Zero. Why? If he continues it's already this? been decided. It, if okay, he continues if, this. If he continues to average, what, like 30-something? Yeah. If he averages 36, 36 and, and 10? 10, yeah, sure. He can He can be rookie of the year. Do you think he's going to? 
No. Then that's your answer. I mean, because Luca's Luca's going to continue putting up twenty like seven and five for the rest of the year, no problem. Twenty and seven and six. He went up to six. Twenty point nine. So he's actually at twenty one. He's twenty point nine, seven point three, five point seven on forty three fifty, forty three thirty five. And Jalen Brunson's playing really well with him. I like, I like Mm -hmm. that now. Yeah, Jalen Brunson's a sleeper too. Hey, as long as Trey Young is like battling him for the Rookie of the Year, it makes the trade worth it. That's the thing. Is like, I'm really curious to see who the Hawks get because right now we went from like. Trey Young starts the season shooting absolute trash percentages, like garbage. Now, if you look at him, I think it was like from January first on, like he's actually pretty pretty good quality. I mean, defensively, he's still got awful, but mm-hmm. at least it's close. We never said he was we the, never a defensive mindset. No, we 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 said he was going to be the worst defender in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, from twenty nineteen, uh, from uh, January first, yeah. uh, twenty one point nine points per game. 8.4 assists, shooting 43% from the field and 32, or 39% from uh, yeah, that's and, and 84% from line. So yeah, he's been fantastic. His percentage has picked up a lot mm-hmm. starting the year. And only th- uh, four, four turnovers a game, so two-to-one uh, turnover mm-hmm. to assist ratio. Um, anyways, let's jump into the big news. Um, I kind of teased it a little bit. Yeah, the biggest of news. We're in first place. 101 points. We are in first place. In the Fast Break Fantasy League. Thanks, uh, Trey Young. Shout out to Trey Young. Shout out to Tobias Harris. Shout out to Russell Westbrook. Shout out to Blake Griffin. <laughs> Malcolm Brogdon, uh, too, right? Shout out to Mitchell Robinson. Hey, shout out Mitchell. to Malcolm Brogdon. Shout out to Otto Porter. Oh. And shout out to uh, Malik Beasley as well. Um, this is. Our team's loaded. This is <laughs> fucking good. loaded. Did and we know this? Did we know we were going to be this good? No. I, no, I, I, we were, I thought we were going to be garbage. Like, early in the season, I was like, oh, dear God, we're going to be garbage we're this like, year. We were, mm-hmm. like, floating seventh and eighth. Yeah. Yep. We Sean, were, we were garbage. I give you credit. You have been playing the waiver wire like a goddamn maestro. Thank you. But here's the thing. Russ was a draft pick. Yep. Trey Young was a draft pick. I think Otto Porter was a draft pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he was, was a draft pick. Because he's efficient. Blake was a draft pick. Drummond was a draft pick. Toby mm-hmm. was a draft pick. Mm-hmm. So the core of our team was the seven players. Yeah. All draft picks. Nice. DeMarcus as well. Um, we picked up Torian Prince. We picked up uh, Mitchell Robinson. We picked up Beasley. Yeah. We picked up Danny Green. That was it. Everyone else, I'm pretty sure, has, has been a guy from our team. Well done, guys. Well uh, done. From our draft. So uh, you were also a part of the draft. So, I know. Uh, I just like saying well done, everybody. Uh, we, got that, we got that young, uh, we got that good, uh, what's it called? Uh, that good sleeper pick in, uh, in in Otto Porter in the sixth round. I like how the only thing we're still trashing is field goal percentage and free throw percentage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right now we're fourth <laughs> in field goals made, uh, field goal percentage. We are still. Hey, I will say we haven't fallen. We've been. No. We've been. We've had five points in those categories mm-hmm. uh, since then. But yeah, we are uh, now uh, monsters ninth, and everything else. Yeah, ninth in field goal percentage and God, free throw percentage. Uh, three pointers made. We are second. Three-point percentage, we are third. Rebounds, we are first. Assists, we are third. Steals, we are second. Blocks, we are third. And points, we are third. Uh, we have 101 That's total a points. three-point lead? 100, oh. 101 points, and Kyle Craig is uh, three points behind us uh, in second place. Um, and if we look at his team... Because that's the team that's been near first. He's been dealing with injuries. Uh, he has Drew, Joe Harris, Bogdan, LeBron, Jared Allen, Eric Gordon, Aaron Gordon, Rudy Gobert, Serge, D Wade, De'Aaron Fox, Rocco, and Jeff Green. So Rocco just got recalled today. Mm-hmm. Jeff so. Green's been iffy, but he hasn't been bad. Yeah. Uh, Eric Gordon injury concerns. So I think I think we can probably edge him out from I here on so. out. So I hope so. Uh, but thank you for uh, all the help. Throughout the fantasy uh, yeah. league, hopefully we can maintain first place. Uh, and shout out to everybody who's in the league and still uh, participating. We appreciate uh, you guys' contributions. Final thoughts. Uh, Gotta get my in. starberries at the end of this year, baby. 
Oh yeah, if we win them, we we, we get starburries. Do we all have to get strawberries, or can you just I'm get strawberries? I'm cool with just me getting strawberries. I hope we, we have to pick out. Uh, go on, if you want to, uh, go to Starberry's website uh, and pick out a color for Dave. <laughs> pick out a colorway for uh, the Stefan Marbury shoes uh, for Dave to pick. Um, I think there was a pink one, and I think you would look absolutely oh, fantastic. It was turquoise and pink. <laughs> okay. The Sprinter okay. turquoise and pink ones. Ooh, or the Kids Suburban Elite. I can't wear kids. I've got large feet. It's not going to work out. If they make but if they look at, but if you look at the kids suburban elite, they're pretty dope. I Rick's um, club. But anyway, basketball is pretty cool. Uh, we'll wrap up this uh, podcast, uh, at least for this segment. Those, I don't know what you yeah. say podcast. Yeah. Uh, we'll oh, wrap up this. So you're talking high tops or low look tops? At those. Yeah, the the yeah, suburban, the kids suburban elites, elites. The ones that I, if, light up. If they can make that big enough for me, I'm absolutely in. The ones that light up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just get 12, 12 and a half C. I don't know what that means. Get seven. They're four pounds. <laughs> they got lights in them, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'd, I'd rip my shoes. I'd rip my. I'd rip those shoes in half. Come on, get the get the kids. Get the light up. You pink Zion kids. Williamson those shoes. Yeah, Jesus. Zion <laughs> Zion Williamson those Paul George. I think I would rock the uh, the slates. The Starberry three slate. No, I think no, you I'm should going get the, the pink metallics. The sprinter. Thanks. You guys see the sprinters? I do. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what you should get. I have the pink metallic or the sprinters. Those are the ones you should get. All right, we'll see. Before we move into the final segment, definitely check us out on iTunes. That's where you can find the NBA Draft Mailbag and our mock drafts from the past two weeks. Two episodes that we recommend you check them out. And also, if you're watching on YouTube, go check them out as well. They're also on our YouTube page. And the mailbag does have timestamps, so you can uh, jump around easily. We talked about 10 topics. Uh, it's an hour and a half long. ton of content for you guys, so definitely go check, do check that out. Um, but, guys, I was reading an article uh, from the guys from Draft Express now on ESPN. Uh, it was published by Mike Schmitz of uh, of ESPN. Uh, he spent nine days in Europe evaluating NBA draft prospects in Germany, France, Italy, Lithuania, Slovenia, Spain, Denmark, and Montenegro. Great to have that ESPN money so you could do that. That would be yeah. super fun. <laughs> uh, but he starts off, and the, the big part of it is a profile on Sekou Demboya. And reading the article, I never thought to put him versus Rui Hachimura next to each other and kind of evaluate the two next to each other. It was kind of just like, these are the guys that I think. I never, mm-hmm. for some reason, just put them next to each other because they both are forwards. They're both around 6'9". Uh, you know, Sekou's a little bit leaner, not a little bit, a lot leaner than Rui Hachimura, but Hachimura, again, you know, is older uh, at, at 22 years old or 21 years old. Um, so when I finally put them next to each other, I never understood why I or why I had Rui Hachimura above uh, Sekou Demboya. In our last mock draft, I had Rui Hachimura going 8th to the Pelicans and Sekou Demboya going 12th to uh, the T-Wolves. And just rethinking about it and thinking about my philosophy and thinking about my ways of picking uh, draft spots and slotting them in my big board, I have no idea why I had Sekou Demboya below Rui Hachimura because of his kind of raw palette that he does have, his clean slate, his youthfulness, his ability to be built up. I personally think that Sekou Demboya is a more intriguing prospect and a player that should be taking above Rui Hachimura. And then I realized that, Ricky, uh, you're on the other side of the fence than me. And then I asked Dave, and Dave said he's on the fence uh, just between the two of them. So we're pretty much just going to do Sekou Demboya versus Rui Hachimura. Mm. Who should be picked higher? Who has the higher ceiling, et cetera, et cetera. So, Ricky, I'm going to send it to you first. Give us the pitch on Rui Hachimura. What do you like about him? How does he pan out as an NBA prospect? I know you've been talking a lot about the whole Giannis thing. Uh, I yeah, don't really well, love that comparison, but talk about him. And the thing is, first off, I want to say between the two, they are vastly different prospects where Rui Hachimura 
I believe he's just over 21. 21 turned 21 on February 8th. We know pretty much have an idea of, okay, what he could possibly be. Whereas you look at Seku, he just turned 18. Um, not too long ago, I think la- end of last year, early this year. December 23rd. He just mm-hmm. turned 18, so he's very young. And for me with Rui, like when I watch him play, he has everything that I want from a three at the next level. He can shoot. He can drive to the basket. Yeah, he's not the best defensive player out there, but he is capable of defending out there. He can assist the ball, doesn't turn over the ball a lot, can get to the foul line, can score points. He's got everything that I want. And the thing that I think hit it perfectly, and I want to give him a shout-out, is one of our listeners, um, Kentaro Kadolak. I hope I said your name right. He actually hit me up about Rui this week, and he said, Mm. at Ricky Widmer, Rui Hachimura is 6'8". He is required to play power forward on the Gonzaga Bulldogs, but I think his position in the NBA should be small forward. He is putting on some weight because he plays the four in college basketball, but when he enters the NBA, he should lose some of his weight. Please look at this highlight of him going up against Josh Jackson, Jason Tatum, um, with him being skinnier. His jump shot looks much better than now. He is much faster, too. And then he goes on to say he doesn't like Coach Few. Rui should be at the three, in his opinion. And then asked me what I think. I'm the same way. Like, I think that Rui is going to be a three at the next level because you look at it, too. Seku's going to be 6'9", 6'10". Rui's 6'8". To me, 6'8", at the fourth, the next level, well, he'll get eaten alive. Right now, uh, Hachimura, uh, sorry, uh, Seku Demboya uh, lists in at 6'9". Mm-hmm. Uh, could still be growing. Yeah. So uh, that, that's that's for sure. I mean, he's actually, he used to be 230, and he's mm-hmm. cut down significantly because he started taking his training a little bit more seriously. Um, but the big thing with that, at least, comment that I do want to say is, Let's not blame Mark Few for trying to win basketball no, games. No, no, and, no, 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 no. It's not, not blaming him, but I'm not it's like... You are, but the reason, the reason why he's doing that is yeah, because no. Hachimura at the four gives them the best ability exactly. to win basketball games. But I in the NBA, he's probably... Like, I'm in the same boat. At the NBA, I don't yeah. want I, him playing the four. I, I want him playing the three. I think they're both threes in my mind. I don't mm-hmm. think Seku Demboya is going to be big enough to be a four. Well, Seku's and he can always versatile. Add, he can always add on uh, you know, weight... Um, to, to, to play the four, but I think he is very fluid at attacking the ba- basket. I think mm-hmm. he is a slasher similar to Hachimura, but I think his defensive upside is much more uh, shown, and, and that's it has been shown uh, overseas as well. Um, and Hachimura, I think that he is athletic. Um, I don't know if he's extremely athletic, but he is athletic. Um, I just don't know if the defensive upside's there compared to Seku, and I think right now you're seeing a flash of Rui's completed game is his you know because he's older he's been under a great basketball coach in mark few mm-hmm. you see him on a great team Seku's kind of this unknown but the big thing that i love about him is the fact that he is a little bit unknown and he is uh such a blank raw palette that has been playing for a long time overseas but hasn't had it to click and i think a big part of that is just him not being able to be in a culture that is focused solely on basketball. Um, and he has now gone to a place in, uh, I'm going to fuck up the name, but it's uh, Limogus. Uh, uh, he's in uh, Pro and uh, the LNB, LNB. Pro A. Um, but now he's kind of in a culture that is focusing more on basketball, and you're seeing the growth that he is able to do. And I think now being coming over to the NBA to fully be focused on basketball, being in that culture, this is now your job. You're being paid for it. Um, and, and being paid more than you would be o- overseas, I think that's going to give him that extra edge 
and being three years younger Mm -hmm. than Rui Hachimura is something that is way more intriguing to me than taking a guy in Hachimura who has already been coached up, who has already been a part of a team, who's now going to have to go from taking it to be about winning games to then Mm -hmm. being a pro, um, where, you know, Seku's not really doing that right now. Seku's already a pro. I think that a big thing that we at least are overlooking for Seku Deboya is the fact that he is only 18 years old and yeah. will be the youngest player in this NBA draft. And yeah. that is so important to me. I know he hasn't been extremely wowing uh, mm-hmm. overseas right now. He isn't putting up crazy stats like Luka was. He's in a completely different league than Luka was. Um, and, and that's a reason why he's not going uh, you know, top five in this draft. But I think just because he's not exactly similar to Luka doesn't mean he should be looked at as a player that cannot have uh, one of the higher ceilings in this draft. I think he has a massively high ceiling. I'm going to throw out another similarity, and this isn't about game. This is basically because of age, and they're both international players. Is yeah. I feel like there are going to be some people that look at international players this year, like Seku, and go, oh, well, look at Luka. Like, he's the same age as Luka, but like you said, they're not in the same place. The thing I look at is, where on the scale is Seku? If the bottom is Frank and the top is Luca, where is Seku? Because I think Frank, that's completely unfair. Because Frank was another yeah. one that came in 18. He's had two years now, and of course yeah. it could also be where he lands. But I don't think we can take that away of, there, like, with Seku, where is he on that scale of the top guys, end being Doncic and the low end being Frank. I think that's a very poor fr- low end because I think Frank. I mean, there's guys that never come over. There's mm-hmm. guys that you know still don't flash this much potential. Frank is still I'm extremely just saying, young. Of the ones that come over, like the, I, in well, recency, I think, that, I think the the low the low end would if we're using at least mm-hmm. you know uh, you know NBA guys it would probably yeah. be Giorgio's Papagianos. Uh, just because he was a guy that bounced around from teams, was immediately released by. He was a team by, by pick, wasn't he? Uh, first round, thirteen. Yeah, thirteen. But we didn't even have him in our. Let's be honest. That okay, was the but, Kings but, being but the Kings. I'm saying Frank. Frank's a player that still has potential. Mm-hmm. Giorgio Papagianos is but not a not a not a. That's what a, I'm even saying. A, a blip is on the Seku radar. Going to be a guy that you draft now and two years later. Like, how quickly me, is he going to make an impact? That's the question. To me, the difference is the fact that Frank came over and need to fill into his body, where Seku is basically a grown ass man in an eighteen as an eighteen. And he could still grow into his body. Yeah, no, but I mean, like, yeah, like you no, said, he went up to two thirty. He's now cut back down to two ten. Yeah, uh, he's now taking his training more seriously. Like, Frank didn't see the inside of an actual like mm-hmm. workout room in yeah. when he was over in Europe. Like, that's just he was not that kind of a person. So. I think that from a f- pure physical standpoint, Seku is far more developed than what Frank was when he came over. Uh, Seku definitely has a lot more strength to his game. At 6'9", he has uh, an absolutely great first step. Uh, the thing when it comes to him that concerns me about when you're talking Florida ceiling stuff is, you know, where's his uh, basketball IQ going to be at? Because he has worked under some coaches in Europe who are basically, I would call them middle. I, I wouldn't say they're at the top end of coaching, but I don't know European basketball inside and out, so correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. But if he has the opportunity to come over to the NBA, I think that will be the big first question is, where is he from a basketball IQ standpoint? Because from the few clips uh, that I've been able to watch of him and the two games I've actually seen all the way through, it it looks like a lot of the time he is leaning heavily, and rightfully so, on his athleticism to win him a lot of one-on-one matchups, mm-hmm. to constantly keep that uh, pressure on teams defensively. He absolutely has an advantage over a lot of the guys in Europe. But 
when it comes to you know catching guys going I, I think the one article I was reading uh, was like oh well he's always chasing people around screens he doesn't seem to always pick up on you know uh, off ball movements as quickly as other players do like it's just there's there's a lot to the basketball IQ argument because he has not played in the NBA think, or even at NCAA where mm-hmm. I think college coaches are much more revered mm-hmm. uh, from our side just because we're more familiar. So the that's a question for me. Biggest knock, and that's that's fair. I, I think that um, you know the the IQ is a question that is is important. Um, I don't know how easy it is for him to pick it up exactly. Yeah. I think he is fairly fluent when it comes to English, so I think he will be able to communicate um, from what I understand. Um, but the big thing that it, that has been a knock or something that has been questioned is his ability to lock in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that Schmidt says. He says his fundamentals, discipline, and consistency can improve on the defensive end, especially off-bell, as he's committing 6.1 fouls per 40 minutes. But Demboya can uh, slide with guards, big big body bigs, or cover ground in the blink of an eye to erase shots at the rim. Um, then one thing uh, Taylor said, I, I think that's a, a coach, I, I don't know who Taylor is, who's, who's referring to in this, this article, but he says uh, his, he fits into that positionless basketball mold. When he's locked in defensively, he's tough. So I think the biggest thing for him is just being locked in. And if he's locked in, that athleticism can uh, really shine. And then I think once he comes over and is able to learn the game uh, and able to pick up the system and, and yeah. if he's into the right spot, I think that IQ can come. Uh, because typically, I think the biggest thing for guys to succeed in the NBA is you know, being Luca level smart is going to surpass any athleticism. Yeah. But also, if you have instinctual athleticism and you know where to be, that is something that's huge as well. Because let's look at, look at Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson's committing four fouls. We yeah, just that man about bites him. on every single he's, pump fake. He's committing four fouls a game, but he also has 4.3 blocks a game. Yeah. So mm-hmm. a big thing is how you're using your athleticism is instinctually. So I think if yep. he's locked in, his instinctual athleticism will be able to make up for it. And one thing, too, just to, to, to put that, you know, go back to Frank. Frank's also not 21 yet. He'll be 21 mm-hmm. July 28th. So he's younger than a guy like Rui Hachimura. So it's like something where even if he's not developing right away and he's not putting up points immediately, I think it's something that he is the, the smarter pick because although he might not come into it right away, he might mm-hmm. not be a guy who hits right away like a Chris Stops or like a Luca. Um, I think that he could be a slow grower. And even if he's not being a fantastic uh, you know, offensive scorer, being a stud, I think having the ability to be in the right place will be huge for him. And if he is in the right place, that might help his growth. Because I think Frank might not be in the right place. But let's look at a guy like Giannis, not the Kumpo. Giannis was in a fantastic place. He latched on to Milwaukee, and we see what that has been able to do. Now, I don't know if he's ever going to reach the level of Giannis, because I think that's exactly absurd Mm -hmm. to, to say he'll be Giannis level. But if he's able to latch himself onto a place and build up, I think that will be huge for a guy like Seku Dumboya. That's why, for me... With the two, first off, like the biggest knock, and I'm going to use air quotes, knock with Seku is how long is it going to take him to come into his own words? Like, I like the actually the Giannis tie in because look at what from beginning to where he is now, what Giannis has been. No one thought that Giannis would be what he is today the day he was drafted. And Seku could be a really good NBA pro. With me, there's just so many questions because also I know that the situations aren't apples and apples or apples and oranges because they're different players and their bodies are different. But it also depends on the team and their kind of timeline for everything. Where if they're a team that's like, hey, we can take Seku, we like what he brings, his verse to me, I like 
with defensively the versatility that I mentioned it before on the mock draft that he can guard two threes and maybe fours at the next level. What team is going to say, even if he doesn't develop, it takes two to three years, we're okay with that. And for me, the highest I could see him being picked is ninth by the Hawks, especially if the Hawks get a top four pick and don't go to Jarrett Culver, who all of us had, or Jarrett Culver, I should say, who all of us had at five. Let's say they get an RJ or they get a Cam or they get number one and they get Zion, then that could change their but why number are you nine pick. The cap on that? Because the I don't think Seku goes top five. I don't think the right. Sun, and also right now Atlanta would be ten. Yeah, I don't think that um, I'm going off of Armok that was mm-hmm. obviously old, but I don't think he'll be top five. I don't think the Grizzlies. I don't think he fits what the Grizzlies would want. I don't think he fits. Maybe the Wizards. I'll throw out maybe the Wizards. But is it about fit? Yeah, that's, I think that's with, a big with thing. With Seku, it's with me. It's not like fit on the court more. It's more about timeline where. To me, Seku is not going to be a guy that steps in day one and is Luka level. Like, he's coming in, contributing right away. There is going to be a grace period where he comes into his own, and what team can take a stab on that? And that's why, to me, I see him more in that 9-14, to maybe 9-15 to range of the draft. But then what makes Rui more ideal for a a team in that range above him? Because you have him above Mm -hmm. him. What makes Rui more ideal for that for those teams, especially the ones that you named? Number one, age is a big thing. Where yes, he's he's already coming. But he's into eighteen, his own. and what team is old in in this in this range? Like what in team is is dying to get a guy who's twenty one years old compared to an eighteen year old? Well, like I had him go to the Grizzlies. I could see the Grizzlies do it. I could see the Wizards do it. With they have John Wall and Bradley Beal, they could go after an older guy. As well, there why are, why the Grizzlies then? Why, because, why the Grizzlies to Adam? Because the, their biggest, their best and young mm-hmm. piece was the youngest player in last year's draft, in Jaron Jackson Jr. And with the Grizzlies, I've gone back and forth too. Where maybe in the next mock, I get shifted over to the Darius Garland um, pick. I haven't really solidified that, but for me at the time, I was just looking. And it's like, hey, if Mike Conley's still going to be there. This is going to be a Grizzly team that wants to get better. And what do you go with? An older player in Ruri Hachimura or an older player in DeAndre Hunter? And I picked between the two. For me, I just think that Ruri's more of a player that can step in and help a team from day one more than Seku. And if a team looks at it and goes, hey, we can wait for him to develop, then go with Seku over Rui. But why does day one matter when you're top five? Because there's some teams that want to get quickly out of that top five. Where there's other teams that are, they're more uh, putting it in the slow cooker and letting things go slowly. Dave, what do you think? I think that putting any pressure on a top five, like there's so many guys who have been in a draft where they didn't look great for the Mm -hmm. first couple of years and then they got better. Like you don't always need to deliver in those first couple of years. And what Rui can do is we expect him to be able to hit that mark. I just I I'm not sure that uh, I'm on the side of Sean. I don't know that any of these teams at the top necessarily need to get there. The Grizzlies you mentioned as a as a likely candidate because of that's mm-hmm. their they seem to always think they're in playoff contention. I'm, mm. I'm not going to talk more shit about the Grizzlies today. I think, <laughs> I think I hit my quota for that for quite some time. But I would be interested maybe in, in just a lot of these teams. Yes, that might be the case. But I look at the best older players who came out of the drafts in the past. Whether it was Kyle Kuzma, Malcolm Brogdon, like guys like that, they go so much later because of their age. And I wonder why why do we feel that Rui is still worth that top pick? Because of his like 
I get it. They're not putting up the same numbers in college that he did. Yeah. But it still it begs that question of, you know, when you're a year older, two years older, three years older in this case, you know, how much of a difference does that make in your draft stack? Just because well, we know you can score pretty well. Yeah. You can get some boards, yes, and you can dish out the low post. Okay. Like, I don't know if that necessarily – I you, you're you making me question, like, also, is this guy a top 10 how, pick? Is how he a much, top 12 How pick? much of his success is based on the team that he's on? Is like, he the best player on his own team? Like, last guy that I, I was I'm going to bring I this up. I love Brandon Clark. We keep moving towards – that, that, No, that's, yeah. a good, that's a good point. Uh, but even even with that Brandon Clark thing, let's say even Brandon Clark over mm-hmm. Sekou Demboya. I'm going to go back to Giannis. I know I'm not – Sekou Demboya is not Giannis. I want to yeah. make that extremely clear. He yep. is not Giannis. He will not be Giannis. He might be a very good player, but he's not going to be You're an MVP level. You're saying he's going to be Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be yeah, – exactly. He's going to be Kawhi <laughs> Leonard. Uh, different player. Yeah. Um, but let's look at that Giannis draft. Giannis went 15. We all know that. There's not a lot of stars in that draft. Anthony Bennett was number one. Only guy you could say is a star is Victor Oladipo, but Giannis is clearly better. Giannis is the best player of that draft at 15. He was coming from Greece, fairly unknown, smaller guy, right? He he had a lot of potential, but it was a a potential pick, and you just you, you took a chance on him. Yep. Two slots above him, there was a center from Gonzaga who was a junior, Kelly Olenek. If you're looking at Boston, who it was Dallas traded him to Boston. If you're looking at that pick, you're going to take Giannis, right? And it's it's laughable to even throw that out there. And it's just really the question mm-hmm. of these guys who are in systems, who are fantastic players in this system, what is their top end? And what makes Hachimura's top end different to you, Ricky, compared to other guys who have come out of Gonzaga? Because like, you look at Gonzaga, guys, there's there's no pros that right now are great in the stars, NBA. Yeah. Well, and Kelly O's like number, a good player. Number yeah, one, yeah. number one, I want to take that and just throw it out the window. That's fine, but I'm just Because you've gone against that with John saying, Morant. Where people mean? have said, well, how good could John Morant be? Mine's Who's different. Mine's State? saying because Gonzaga is so good mm-hmm. that they have such a great system, it allows people to shine. It lets people see these players like Rui Hachimura because yeah. they're so deep into the, the playoff run. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with Duke. It's the same thing with North Carolina. Yeah. It's the same thing with Kentucky. These guys and get these guys get looked differently because of the teams that they're on because they are helped by the great coaching of Mark Few, John Calipari. And coach that's a K. little bit... We talked about this. With, no, we talked well. this about with uh, Nasir Little and yeah. Roy Williams. The what mm-hmm. stars are there from North Carolina that are, that are on the floor? I'm just saying, like John Morant's different is because mm-hmm. oh, let's look at the pros that are in the NBA and how bad they are. That means since they're a small school, they can't pr- produce pros. I'm not saying that Gonzaga can't produce pros because they're uh, because of uh, because they're a small school. I'm just saying they have such a great coach that helps these guys develop. Mm-hmm. And then they're not able to grow that development because Gonzaga is such a culture, such a team mentality that it's stunted because Mark Few is such a excelled coach. They might never get that coaching at the next level. Well, and the thing that I look at when I see Rui out there, like, is he mm-hmm. obviously he's not a player where it's not like I'm watching Zion where I'm like, yes, he is the best player in college basketball. But I look at a guy and yet again, it could be because early in the season, I kind of fell in love with Rui, where it's like, hey, you know what? I like what he brings to the table. He's got a shot. He shoots well from the line. He's able to get to the basket. Does the he have big... a shot, though? Because he's not taking any threes. Well, and, and I know it's not in the system, but also like— Yet again, that's the thing of like you were talking about. What team is he on? Right now he's playing more of the four. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I look at, and this is a conversation that we could have, is— Yes, he only shoots about one three a game on average, yeah. but he's making 46% of those three. So to me, 
that tells me that the shot is there. It's All not right. like he has to fix his but shot. And that just with more repetition. But then again, like, yon, yon, yon. with more repetition, he could potentially well, I mean, get that up. But here, let's let's look at Giannis, mm-hmm. for example. Giannis' rookie year, he took 1.53s a game, mm-hmm. shot made 34%, and he's a shooter. And last year, he shot 76% from the line. Is Giannis a dangerous three-point shooter? Actually, no. watch him in the last, uh, okay. I think, three-month split. He's mm-hmm. actually picked up a ridiculous percentage. In in broad sense of terms. No, he's not going to be is Steph Is Giannis Curry. a dangerous three-point shooter? I mean, I'm not saying Steph yes. Curry. Is he a dangerous three-point shooter? Giannis, right now, mm-hmm. he, although he could still develop into it, right now is not a deadly three-point shooter. I don't want Giannis taking eight threes a game. Mm-hmm. Like, that that was my question with Hachimura. I don't see him being a—like, he's never going to be a deadly three-point shooter, but can he add enough of them to the game— to make him a little bit more versatile, I think he can. I think the shot is there. It's just, why isn't he taking it enough? It's exactly what you said. That bulldog team has a way that they work. This is how we win games. And it's not something to where, hey, I have to do this to get notice on scouts. The thing with Rui that's going to make or break his draft stock is the combine. When we see him in drills, when we see him go on the five-on-five, that is what we're going to get with Rui, watching him going up against his draft class. The thing with Rui is 23 of the 30 games he's played, he's taken one or less threes. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. It's just like, yes, he's shooting 46%. Um, and but like, it's like the one like, three that seen... he took, uh, one of the threes he took against BYU recently was point guard, com- a... well, point guard comes around, or then it was a long two that I he watched where three in any he, of the they games. passed it back. And he shot it and made it, where it wasn't like him driving up and creating space. No, they threw it to a wide open Rui and he took the shot. I just don't know. Even if he, even even if the mechanics are fine, it just, it just doesn't mean he's going to be a three point shooter. Well, and and I'm I, not it's saying just it's what you're be comfortable a with. Three and, and like point shooter, ben but he's Simmons, can add it to his game. Ben Simmons just isn't comfortable taking threes. Like I don't know if he's going to be a guy who ever take, has that next level in him. And also, it's a college three. What happens when you step back? Uh, a little bit like that's that's my big questions with, with with Hachimura it's like yes he can always develop it but also he's 21 and Seku can develop a better shot because he's got three more years on him to develop that shot and Seku has three more years to get to where uh Rui is uh you know physicality wise uh like when we're talking body wise if they're both the same height like he has those three more years to gain up uh that that muscle to gain up that size uh, and then you look at just like the. But the, do you think the, offensively he'll ever be where Rui's at? Because I think Rui's able to get to the hoop uh, very easy. I think that'll translate to the NBA where mm-hmm. Seku, his shot has been questionable at times. I haven't really seen him dominate since it, like the under 18 games. Yeah, that's, uh, last that's a good year. point. So I, that's the thing is offensively, I get Europe. They play differently for. They play young players differently, but. Uh, it just comes to the point where it's like you well, you look at his games and yeah he, he's good for you know anywhere from like six to twelve points and that's that's about the middling range. Uh, he didn't do anything in the playoffs recently, so I just look at him and go, is he someone who is going to top out as a potential you know yes you're an athletic freak but you might just be a good defender, bad shooter, or do you think that his offensive game can evolve? Do you think that he can put a shot in there? Because I look at Rui and I go. That guy can get me buckets. He can play okay defense. I look at Seiku, and I know physically he's more gifted, but can he get better at scoring? Mm -hmm. I think the thing with Seiku that stands out to me, um, at least scoring-wise, is he's not afraid to drive and attack the basket. 
Um, so as a cutter, I think that he can be extremely dangerous. In transition, I think he's going to be as good as uh, near Rui uh, level. I think I think mm-hmm. Rui's pretty good in open space. I think Seku will be good at attacking the basket as well in open space. Um, and again, he's still got that three years to develop that. I understand. So, so if he's put in the right system, and I don't think his shot's necessarily broken at all. Like I think the the base is fine. I think the actual shot is fine. Um, it's just the fact that I don't know if he's comfortable in the spot that he's in. Uh, so I don't think we're talking about Seku having a broken shot at all. I don't think he's going to need to strip it down I and, mean, and rebuild it. Doesn't have an amazing um, free throw percentage. His shot from three has not been great. But I, the actual shot isn't bad. The motion like, itself, I don't know. Yeah, the, the motion isn't bad. It's fairly quick. Yeah. Uh, his his feet pretty much stay under him. It's straight up and down. It's nothing like he's leaning forward, lunging forward. He it's goes not up and from forward. the hip. Uh, yeah, and he's shooting. He's shooting like right in front of his uh, yeah. his uh, forehead. Too. Shot Dr. Sean. Um, so hey, I fixed yours, Coach. Dave. And then you yeah. couldn't do it. Uh, but yeah, no, I think that the thing with Seku is like the shot form is there, and I think that if you have a shooting coach and you have you know mm-hmm. this. You know, you have a shot doctors over here. He starts working with Drew Hanlon. Uh, like, By the way, just to make that point, uh, Giannis, uh, December, shot 22% from three on two attempts. In January, it was up to 33% on 2.6 attempts. And in uh, in, in February... Nice, Dave. In February, <laughs> Classy. it was 40% at 2.8 attempts. Okay, so he had one good month? He, he did progress in one year. Do you, do you not realize that? That's incredible. Like that's it's that's one month, Dave. I don't care. It's three months in a row of straight progress. He's added more attempts and he's gotten better at shooting them. All right, here he that's was. Exactly he was O of three, O of two, O of two, and so he had three games where he was O four. Individual he had, games. He had are a cool. three of four. I'm just talk about a month. He had a three getting... of four. He had a two of three and he had three of three. Yeah. Like he had he had three good games. It doesn't mean he's going to turn into a great three point shooter. I'm not saying it, it's great, progress, but I'm saying the progress. fact that in three months he went from shooting 22 percent on two threes a game to 40 percent on three threes a game is pretty impressive. He Sean. also played less games though. That's I what I'm saying. Like, give you the month he probably count. had those. He probably had stretches where he had good shots, but in December he probably had some of those games where he was 0 for. I'm looking at the stats right now. It's he As went 0 I. for three, 0 for two, three for three, one for three, two for three, 0 for two, one for two, three for four. I'm not yes. like wowed by any of those numbers. numbers. Yes, but Giannis is able to add a shot, and and in three months he's consistently improved. And this is year one of Coach Bud and the shooting coach who came over with him. So. I would just say it's it, it's doable to to fix, to improve a shot like that. Yeah. So Seku should have some hope there, but I, I think it's you're you're putting a lot of faith into he lands in the. But right I don't system. think he's as bad as a shooter as Giannis is. That's what I'm saying. I don't think he's. When we're no, talking I don't think so either. Young Giannis. I don't think. I think he's. I think he's got a better start than Giannis yeah. did. Um, Giannis, it's taken what five years, six years to develop that. I don't think it's going to take Seku that right. long. But I think it Sekou, took Giannis until he had a coach. Can I just say that out loud? That's and, fair. And not get yelled at? Because, like, they Six think that's, that's the big thing is you're saying, what if he lands in the right system? What if he doesn't? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What if he lands on a team, like, what if he gets franked? But do you, Where mm-hmm. he's stuck on, like, a team where he has no help from a coaching staff. They draft him to be a triangle player. And guess what? We don't run the triangle anymore. I've got a terrible yeah. coach who won't give me consistent minutes, randomly benches him. Like, what if he gets put into a situation like that? Because I think Rui would thrive in a team like the Knicks where it's just mm-hmm. everything fucking goes. Well, here's, yeah. run ISOs. here's the thing. is, And it's it's a big thing of, like, you know, spot for any yeah. prospect. If he that, lands on the sure. spurs of the heat, um, yeah, of course he. I think he'll be fucking amazing. But I think mm-hmm. one thing that, like, if he goes to Minnesota where I put Seku, I'd be worried about his development because we don't know who the coach is. We don't right. know. We look at the development of that team 
uh, so far. And like Cat is just naturally gifted. He was a number one pick. I think Okogie's getting by by on a lot of his uh, athleticism. But outside of that, like who's developed extremely well in the Minnesota system since Kevin Not Love? Wiggins. Not Wiggins. Uh, Wiggins is just good, and he's like he's, he's, he's a good, never he's gotten a, better. He's a good scorer. That's the thing. He's never gotten better. Yeah. Uh, that's what I was trying to say. Like people might look and be like, oh, he's uh, putting up twenty points, but like again, he's not gotten better. But if uh, you for look Wiggins. where, and I'm just throwing this out, where you look at where Dave and I have him, I actually like both of those situations. Dave to the Heat. You got a guy like, like Spolstra no, who's do. there. Their timeline isn't going to be winning right away. And then but the to, Pistons as well, working with Dwayne Casey. Oof. Well, how, does that help, how does that help him? Because I like Dwayne Casey as a coach and can what, help what, his improvement. What young players has he developed outside? Of, I mean, I don't really. I don't want to give him. I don't want to give him credit for Siakam. I'm not saying he's a but, guru, but like, I would say coach stability with the Pistons is good. It's not like it's going to be we, like Do we Dave have stability? If he doesn't make the playoffs again, he might be on the hot seat. He's not going to be on the hot seat. I mean, right now he's barely in the playoffs. Yeah, but If he not, gets he's, knocked out, he's, he might. I don't think they. No, I'm saying next year. Like, if, if he misses the playoffs two years in a row, he might be in the yeah, hot I seat. Yeah, I think he's got two two years easily guaranteed. Um, I'm just saying he'll be in the hot seat. I'm not saying he'll be fired. The best There's situation. a difference between being fired and being in the hot seat. You can say he may for two years then. I don't care. It's still going to be the head coach. Uh, mm-hmm. The other thing, too, with the, the Heat, too, is, like, who have they really developed? Yeah. Like, you know, Justice you know has come along, but it's taken Justice a long time to but come But he was along. also uber raw when he came out. Okay. You know so who could similar. be a really good um, Cal- situation? Yeah. The Celtics. Mm. Since they got so many picks, no. if, like, Saquon's there, they're that's, that's, the worst, that's the worst option. I think they're too, they're really? too logged because he's, yeah, he he's going to— If he plays— But yeah, if they trade some of them for AD, or if one of them gets RFA into another team— But then you're put in the wrong situation of high pressure. Mm-hmm. High pressure. You're working with Stevens, but also, can you get enough time because you have so many guys that need attention? Yeah. Like, I I think it, I'd be afraid it, of that it, there's there's positive and negatives. I think that if we're looking top ten, because I I have Rui in my top ten. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Memphis, and you're gonna flip him coming into this next mock. You say? Yeah. You're likely. Okay. Most likely. I think Memphis is a good spot for him to land. Yeah. I think Atlanta's a good spot for him. You're to talking land. Rui or Seku? Seku Dembo. Okay. We'll I talk mean, about Rui. Uh, I think Atlanta is a, a good spot for him to land. I think Memphis is a good spot for him to land. Uh, I also think that, oddly, Washington would be good for him to land because Bradley Beal, John Wall, they've done a very good job of building those guys up, and I think that also is a credit to them as well. But I think having a veteran presence would be big for him mm-hmm. uh, to take that next step. So I think th- I think five through seven would be a good spot for him because I think New Orleans can be a little bit iffy with all the commotion that could go around. But I think having Washington, Memphis, and Atlanta would be, would, would be the, probably the three teams that I look at to, to take Sekou Demboya. Uh, I mean, Memphis did sign Bruno to an actual contract, so... That's true. I don't know. His spot might be taken. <laughs> Is Seku two years away from being two years away? I don't know. I uh, hope not. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think I think those would be the three teams that would be nice for Seku, unless you guys have a different team. That is is very clear in your mind, whether it be in the top ten or not. And I love Miami. I think that that in my mind is one of the better ones. Um, mm-hmm. But that's just purely from a coaching standpoint. I think that they would be able to really do a good job for him. Washington, I'm afraid, purely from a coaching standpoint. I think Scott Brooks is fired, though, right? I mean, maybe. Uh, there's so, so sure. Maybe there have been sure. so many questions I've had about not only the coach but also the front office there. I I can't. Put, that's fine. Grunfeld's yeah. a bad GM. Yep. So. Memphis would be interesting. I think defensively, like you said, he would be able to step in day one, be okay, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get to work with fucking, uh, Marcus Gasol, Jaron Jackson. Marcus Gasol's not there. Uh, Mike Conley. Mike Conley. Bad. I was the trying to think end. of their coach, uh, and it's killing me. Uh, JB. JB. Yeah. Who I think there's. I think he's got potential as a head coach, uh, but 
I don't know. I'm still floating in that area. I'm like, I think I think I'm leaning closer to like maybe that seven through ten, seven through twelve range. It, how about you, Ricky? For Eight Seiku. through eleven. Seiku. Pelicans, Heat, Hawks, Magic. That all. What four makes of those, them good for those teams? I mean, for outside the, those the Hawks. ones, like a the Pelicans, they're entering the post Anthony Davis, so there's going to be time for. They're not going. He's not going to be rushed into anything, so he's going to have time to develop. And they're another team where I don't think Alvin Gentry is going to be like canned like Dell Demps was. Um, I think there's more respect for. I don't think there's a reason to Gentry fire him in that organization than there was for Dell Demps. Miami Heat, like we said, like they're rock solid. With Spolster's not going to get fired. They're going to be a team that's not going to be competing, and he can develop with. The Hawks could just be a team where it's like, yeah, we can go and compete, but also we've kind of stacked up a little I'm bit actually liking to where Hawks. you can just freaking just sit there and develop. And then with Orlando, I know Orlando's going to get mad because they're going to be like, Ricky's not a two guard. But, I mean, if they really like him, they could sit there and go, hey, develop on this team with all of our starters that we have. And, like, Clifford's not going to get fired from Orlando. But Clifford is a guy who does not play his players, like his, his rookies specifically. Like, he's he's not giving a ton of minutes to Mo Bamba. He well, wasn't giving Bamba's minutes to— bad and hurt. Mo, that, well, he might, wasn't giving mo, that might not mo, be a bad thing for Seku. Like, it might yeah. not end up being a he bad thing. He needs time. I think the best place for him would be the Hawks. The uh, Hawks you, would be intriguing. You look yeah. at them, Trey Young, Kevin Herter, uh, Torian Prince, and then at the four, you move Collins to the five. We <sighs> keep talking about, uh, what— you can't move Collins to the five. He's so bad defensively. But my thing is that Seku would probably most likely but and Seku some, can't guard five. I think he can I think he has the potential to one for the five. Just because of his size. If we're saying he's still growing. Uh, I don't say it. To I be see fair, the last time he was four. measured, I think, was when he was still seventeen. Or yeah. when he was still uh just turning seventeen. Six nine two ten is what we're saying. Yeah. And we're also saying that he's gonna add weight and add size uh, coming on to an NBA. Team. His agent, that, his agent in a, the recent article that I saw said six nine six ten uh, okay. will probably be what he's measured at. All right, yeah. so if we're saying six ten, I think he can guard fives. Maybe. I think Maybe. he's quick enough. I think he's strong enough. Because he, even though he's not, two, you know, two ten is kind of small. Yeah. Uh, for a five, I still think that he can add weight, and also I think he's just naturally strong. I think he has that kind of athleticism. I, I really like him. I, I think that's a, that's. What I'll say, I think the Hawks would be an intriguing spot. For yeah, them. unless the Hawks just do what Dave did and gives them Zion at number one, because hmm? you hit some lottery. I did. I hit some lottery. <laughs> Zion got one. Uh, yeah, uh, obviously different. So no, I mean, change up the strategy. It but. does depend on how that rolls out, which is honestly a ton of the fun of this year's draft is mm-hmm. the the new odds. So we'll have to wait and see. But I think that I'd laugh if they stay chalk. I was on the fence <laughs> on this coming in, and I think it's going to come down to a team need. I think that, like you said. Oh. Something you don't hear from Dave too often. Well, no, I think like you said is, you know, no teams in the top 10 Mm -hmm. necessarily need uh, a a guy who can perform day one. But I do know what Rui Hachimura can do, and I think that he's not done growing as far as where he's at. I like the bringing up the playing the three is interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Seku, he could could be great. He could be terrible. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just higher floor, lower ceiling. Yeah. So if... If you're in that uh, 10 through 12 range, 10, or 10 through 15 range, Rui, Rui might have a better career. On the I just right, have a feeling for sake, you, you do not want to miss out. Mm-hmm. I'd rather miss than miss out, you know? Okay. Now, when I say this, I'm not comparing player to player, apples to apples. I'm saying yeah. situation. Right. People are still going to take it this I way. could see <laughs> Rui Hachimura, if he lands in the right situation, being much like a 
Clay Thompson, where it was like Clay. What the fuck? Just hear me out before you say what the fuck and everything. Okay, so I'm just saying he was a the, guy. The, the who players that you've compared three, Rui Hachimura just, to are Clay Thompson and Yaz Antetokounmpo. Three-year guy in college, so yet again, coming into the league at the same age, yeah. he would draft it at 11, so wasn't a top-pick guy, wasn't towards the end of the lottery, but he was a guy, yes, they had a plan, and he could go behind Steph, but also, let's say Rui goes to, like, let's say Atlanta. He could be a guy that, hey, I'm going to fit this role. I'm going to do these things that I do well, really well for this team, and if he lands in the right situation, could be a Clay Thompson-esque player to a team of, hey, this is what he does, and this is what he does really well, and it helps could him. Could be win. one of the best role players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. It could be Justin Jackson. Um, I don't know. I just, I just don't see it for him. I mean, we, 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 if, we're, if we're doing the drafts that we have covered, and juniors that have gone in, in the top ten, or juniors or seniors, right? Uh, Chris Dunn was the first one. Buddy Heald was the second. Uh, and then uh, Don Maker ended up coming out of uh, high school. It said junior, so I was thrown so off. Just uh, so right Chris there, Dunn, the first two. 50-50. Chris Dunn and uh, Buddy Hill. Uh, the next one, top 10, was none because they didn't, they didn't take any. The mm-hmm. next one that was the first one off, though, uh, was uh, Justin Jackson. Uh, then we go to 2018, and we had uh, coming out, again, top 10 was Mikael Bridges. So Mikael Bridges, Chris Dunn, and... Uh, Are any of us low on Mikael Bridges right now? No. No. And, like, the thing with the first two that you mentioned, Chris Dunn was in a shit situation with the T-Wolves and then got traded for Jimmy Butler. And then Buddy Heald was arguably in a not-right spot in New Orleans, and now that he switched over to the Kings, has been flourishing. Yeah. So, I mean... I'm not bashing the Buddy thing. Big leg play. Big I think the thing with... Mm -hmm. With Chris Dunn, I mean, again, like, Buddy Heald was a much better college player than Chris Dunn was. Uh, an award winner. And you Put look at— Put on that name. You look at— uh, who, who, who was the kid from last year? Uh, I totally blanked. Uh, Mikael Bridges. Mikael Bridges is still trying to, like, he, he's not, like, a full-time starter on that. He's th- on a terrible team. He's on that, Suns that, team. The best, Suns team. One of the best prospects on their team is a two-guard, so, mm-hmm. you know, he gets to ride the bench behind Jarrett. Behind Josh, Josh Jackson at three, and then Dead Booker at the two. So mm-hmm. like, I don't know that he would start over either of those guys. I but that that's kind of concerning to me is the fact that Josh Jackson was really well. Josh, I'm not not over Devin Booker. Obviously, Devin Booker's ridiculous, but Josh Jackson really hasn't been great. But this at is all. when they have to figure out if Josh Jackson's going to be with them because this is year three, that's right? True. Yeah, I mean, I, and, and Mikael Bridges has shown great flashes. There's, yeah, uh, I mean, he's he, shooting pretty well still. Couple games defensively, I think that one of the best lines was having him, Jackson, and um, DeAnthony Melton out there. And they're actually playing pretty good defense for a bit. Yeah, uh, I just think that again, you can't miss out on Seku. That's my big thing with it. And and we'll, we'll obviously come down to what the draft order comes out and what yeah. teams are feeling. Yeah, I think uh, that's going to matter a lot. I just think that a team like the Hawks could get a bargain. Rui's a little bit limited, but that's my opinion. Final thoughts. You good? No, I'm good. good. Nope. Solid. Cool. Still Let's on the fence. Uh, <laughs> still on the fence. Rui Hachimura, Seiko Demboya. Uh, let us know down in the comments below which side you're on. That's going to wrap it up for the Fast Break Podcast. Next week's going to be a very special episode where Dave ruins his laptop more. Uh, we also have a very special guest 
on the podcast, so definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, if you're listening to iTunes, rate this five stars if you have the time to. We would very much appreciate that uh, if you did so. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to check out patreon.com slash podcast. I think I already mentioned it, but why not uh, mention it twice? And also follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash podcast For Dave Oster, that's Ricky Whitmer. I'm Sean Anderson. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.